Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Downtown. Hey, yo, it's downtown. Building Downtown. You can follow us on social media at The Building DT. You can subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Jason Kelly. You can follow me at MMA. Follow my co-host, Krill Kasatsky, at Krill Raps. And our other co-host, Amy Barton. You can follow her at Ames Bell. Unfortunately, due to American Thanksgiving, she will not be able to join her friends of the North tonight. But we have another friend joining us tonight. We have a lawyer joining us. So first, first lawyer on the show. No, second lawyer on the show. But Matt McCann doesn't count. I'm just joking, Matt. We got a lawyer here tonight. We're going to get us some interesting conversation. Sharif Fada, how's it going, my man? I'm good, man. Thank you guys so much for that wonderful introduction. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us. This is very interesting. Taking a quick look at your bio. I see uh, there's definitely some stuff we want to get into. The, the organized crime, all the stuff that basically people watch true crime shows for. You're the guy who represents these people. So we want to get into that. But let's go back a bit first. Um, you know, kids are growing up. They want to be a police officer. They think they're going to be Bruce Willis from Die Hard or whatever it may be. You're going to, you want to be a hockey player. You think you're going to be the next Wayne Gretzky. You growing up, what is the inspiration for someone who wants to be a lawyer? Like, did you watch old movies or something and think you're going to be that guy when you grow up? Where does the, where's the initial inspiration come from? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, I didn't really want to be a lawyer maybe until at least high school. And even then I wasn't totally sure. Um, but what's interesting is, so my parents were, um, were doctors and, uh, they were like, very very um like tiger parents you know what i'm saying like yeah you know the helicopter parents or whatever yeah 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 and they were you know very much into the sciences and stuff and my brother ended up becoming a surgeon and stuff and so and he's like the older golden boy and so i, <laughs> I was i was a bit of a black sheep especially when i started doing criminal defense but um i think uh, but like from my mom's side, there were there were a lot of lawyers uh, on that side of the family, uh, including her dad, uncles, aunts, and stuff. So um, it it, uh, it 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 still fit with their expectations that I had to do something professional. Yeah, but they're like they're like the kind of parents that are just like never happy, you know. Like I got ninety nine acquittals this year out of a hundred, and they're like, "What happened to that hundred? <laughs> Why you go down?" <laughs> so your parents are not happy that you're written for a lawyer. Well, I think now now they've made people like listen, man. My parents are not happy about a lot of shit <laughs> about a lot of shit I did, and my profession's like somewhere on the list but it's not the worst thing that i've done and i think now they've made peace that they just got to accept you know people live their own lives uh they think though like that i'm you know always surrounded by scumbags and criminals and this that and that (laughs) they're like why would you do that why would you always be hanging around these kind of people your lifestyle is going to be stressful um but they they made peace with it they made peace with it 
It's true though, right? Like I, you hear that. I've heard lots of people say that over in my lifetime, right? Like, oh, how can someone defend this murderer or this, this, or this, that? And I mean, you even take on human trafficking cases. So like, have you caught flack from friends, family, whatever it is over the years for defending people of this element? Um, I mean, listen, it, it is the first question I get when I talk to a non-lawyer, like how do you defend someone that you know is guilty? And um, you know, it's funny that you say you even defend people like charged with human trafficking. Like that doesn't mean that they are guilty of human trafficking, right? Yeah. It just means that someone has accused them of that crime. And unless we live in a society where, you know, as soon as police say that you did something, uh, that means that you did it and you should be punished on the spot and executed summarily if they accuse you of murder or whatever, I mean, we, we got to give people a fair shake. We got to mm-hmm. give people a fair shake. And um, most criminal defense lawyers, and I think myself included, we have a keen uh, sensitivity to what it means to be an underdog and protecting the underdog or rooting for the underdog. Mm-hmm. And so it, like, it doesn't matter to me what the alleged crime is. And that's not to say that I like crime. I'm not in favor of human trafficking. I actually, there's a lot of criminal lawyers that, you know, to give the vibe, they are all about like pro-gun rights and all this stuff. And they go to the <laughs> shooting range and all this stuff. I'm not like that. I hate guns. Not yeah. into them at all. Never held a gun. Never will. Not into mm-hmm. human trafficking, no? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've not trafficked. I've not trafficked humans. Uh, I'm not <laughs> murder. Um, and uh, and I abhor uh, I abhor violent crime. I don't abhor like uh, drug use. You know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't judge that at all. Um, and frankly, you know, I'm in favor of decriminalization uh, of uh, of drugs. But uh, I mean, in principle. Uh, mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, I. I I, I, I'm I'm somehow less sympathetic because I defend people less sympathetic to the effects that crime have uh, ha- has on on society and people. Mm-hmm. When you were growing up, were you uh, friends with with criminals? Were some of the people you hung out with criminals? Um, <laughs> that looked like a no comment look. Damn, you're you're you're, you're recording this. I got into, uh, I got into. Um, it was weird, right? Because my teenage years I actually spent in Alberta. I lived, yeah. I, I lived in Alberta for eight years, formative years, uh, including junior high and high school. And then I moved back out east uh, when I was 18 and went back to Ottawa. And that's where I went to school. And uh, in Alberta, as you know, you can tell I'm not a white guy. Um, I'm just, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a strange place. What's funny is you know, I tend to find people of color or immigrants tend to, especially recent ones, tend to stick together because they kind of feel like outsiders a little bit in franchise. And so I had a lot of friends that were, uh, you know, racialized people of color and stuff like that, but they weren't the criminals. Uh, My other group of friends that were (laughs) the white stoners. They were way more criminal uh, yeah. than my other group of friends. So I had a couple of groups of friends. And yeah, I mean, I knew some people who got into trouble 
And life's a trip. Sometimes, you know, those people that you never would have expected to get into trouble, years later, you find out, like, you know, they got charged with this or they got charged with that. Um, mm. It can really happen. Anyone can get charged with a crime, man. Anyone can get charged with a crime. Yep. Yeah, it's so true. So is there a point then when, uh, you know, when you started taking this as a serious career and looking into, you know, uh, further education and everything else, did you have to separate yourself from certain friends that may have been getting into some shit that might come back on you and hurt your career? Um, no, I don't think so. I, no? I, mean, I, ne- I never, I was not at the time when I was either in law school or afterwards, I was not involving myself close enough to that world to have a concern and mm-hmm. you know? uh, so i didn't really have to separate it but I, I did on many occasions and i still do every now and then get contacted by old friends yo dude i'm in trouble can you help me out oh <laughs> have you helped any of them yeah i actually yeah. Helped, i actually <laughs> And I'm not going to say who I yeah, actually yeah. helped one of my best friends from law school, who's a lawyer, what? <laughs> who ended up getting charged with assault for getting into a fight. Holy I, shit. What happens to that? Does, does your license suffer in any way if you get a criminal charge? Uh, so you got to report it to the law society, the regulatory authority. And generally they won't, you know, uh, do anything about it. And until the uh, conclusion of the criminal matter so you got to report it and they'll be watching and seeing what's going on until it's done. Thankfully, he was uh, he was acquitted. So the law society ended up closing the investigation. But I'm telling you, it can happen to anyone. Yeah. Yeah, no shit. And that's exactly it, too. Like you said, this was an assault. I mean, you could be out at a, a bar, you, not even drinking. You could be at a restaurant with your family and something could happen. You get into an altercation. You throw a punch. Next thing you know, you're in handcuffs. You could be losing your career. You could lose fucking your life for Christ's sakes. It's crazy. I've met a, I, I've met a person that uh, like looked me in the eye and he said, um, they, showed me, they showed me a video of a bar fight where he, where he killed somebody and he killed somebody by accident being drunk. Yeah. And he doesn't even remember that. And it was, he, he, he doesn't remember he was so drunk. You know, I've, I've, seen him, I've seen him after he's done his time with that, that look in his eyes, right? He's just like, I don't remember doing it. Wow. Right. And just so happened a buddy fell, hit the pool table, and that's it. And he was doing time for it. I think he got, I think he got manslaughter, but still he did enough time. Another, another buddy that I met in law school, I didn't know when I first met him. He was kind of older. I found out during law school, we, we got tight. Um, mm. Him and my other buddy that, I ended up representing years later. We were all, <laughs> we were all kind of a crew. Um, and uh, I found out that during law school one day, he, he, he used to throw crazy parties. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and he, he, he invited me. Obviously, we were, we were at this one party and he like, took me aside at the party, took me downstairs into the basement. He's like, yo, I got to tell you something. He's kind of like, you know, inebriated. So he's, you know how you get kind of yeah, fuzzy. Yeah. And he's like, I got to tell you something, man. So I wasn't totally honest with you when I told you I'd been doing construction for the last 10 years. I actually served 10 years for manslaughter. Oh. <laughs> and, and he ended up going to law school and graduating law school. And yeah, um, it, honestly, everyone's life is, is different. Anyone can get charged with a crime. And there are no exceptions to that. And we still have, we still have wrongful convictions. Don't get it twisted. Yeah, it happens not infrequently. Really, 
Absolutely. It's that bad, eh? Absolutely. We still have wrongful convictions. I am a firm believer. And, you know, the courts recognize that every now and then we uh, we get a case from the Court of Appeal where they say, yep, miscarriage of justice. Looks like this was a wrongful conviction. And not everyone gets their wrongful convictions corrected, man. And is it Holy wrongful shit. convictions for heavy crime, like long time, federal time, and time? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And the, the hardest thing as a defense lawyer, <clears throat> it is easy to represent guilty people, right? It's easy to represent because <laughs> you're like, yeah, you fucking did it. If I lose the case, <laughs> if, if I lose the case, it's not my fault, right? Yeah. But when you represent someone that you think is innocent and that's telling you that they're innocent, man, the stress on that. And I've had, I've had cases where I truly, truly believed in my client's innocence and they maintain their innocence. Do everything you can for them. They go down, you try to appeal, and the court of appeal says, sorry, buddy. It was a fair trial. Buzz off. Is that more stress on you uh, when you're defending someone you really believe is innocent and they still get convicted as opposed to someone who's guilty and you're defending them? Is it does it feel is that more of a burden for you to bear when you see an innocent man get sent to prison, man or woman? Yeah, how could you how could you not? How could you not, man? Because okay. You're the only, like, the way the system is designed is that you're the only one that's supposed to be on their side, right? Like, the system recognizes and acknowledges that the role of the defense lawyer is not to judge their client. The role is to try to get them a fair trial where only lawfully obtained evidence is introduced, and they're able to make what we call in Canada full answer in defense. Mm -hmm. And um, where you believe that they're innocent, and you try to um you try to fight for them and you're the only one and and like like truly when you step into court man and you're representing someone who's accused of a crime everyone everyone in the courtroom the judge the -hmm. prosecutor the clerk everyone is looking at you and your client and is like what this motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) and what did this guy do (laughs) And uh, it's very hard. It's very hard to, from that, uh, from that starting point, with that inertia, to try to slow it down. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean? to try mm-hmm. to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't judge a book. So by it, that's that's pretty much going against your 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 innocent until you're found guilty, right? Because you already walk into the room to a room with a bunch of people staring at you, thinking that you did something or your client did something, right? Kirill, man, you heard what Jason said at the beginning. He's like, you even defend people charged with human trafficking. <laughs> yeah, even yeah, Jason's yeah. like, yo, what human I mean? trafficking, just based on the name of the crime alone. You know nothing about that case, right? You know yep. absolutely nothing. You just know the words human, human trafficking. trafficking. And it makes you have this visceral like ooh, give, me an, give me just just so i'm clear give me an example of somebody being wrongfully accused for human trafficking i just want to i'm just wondering what, what would yeah and not even it doesn't even necessarily have to be a real life one because i know you can't talk about yeah, certain things hypothetical or a real one that you can talk about i'm just wondering if somebody's accused of human trafficking and proven not guilty is it because the evidence was wrong or is it because it was his action was taken wrong like how could how could human human trafficking be a mistake i just it, it seems you know what I mean. Well, well, the thing is, what do you need to have someone charged with human trafficking? 
all, no you need is, all you need is someone to go into a police station and make a statement. That's it. That's it. That's it. Oh, so, it, so, so holy it, it, shit! It, it goes under that the thing that <laughs> there, there was there was a problem of females saying that guys raped them because the, the guys didn't do what females wanted a lot, right? Mm. So it, go, it, it could go under that. So she, she, let's say she gets upset, she just puts a call in. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're fucked now. You're in court responding to that. Yeah, and you don't think that happens? You don't think there are false charges <laughs> of all kinds of all kinds, whether it's Jesus. sexual or non-sexual offenses? Wow. All kinds of false charges. And, you know, part of the problem in our society now is that because historically our culture has been so unfair to different people, including women, right? Mm -hmm. For a long time, we're treated really horribly by the justice system when they complained about sexual assault. Part of the problem is now our society is compensating for that by t- i think sometimes taking it a bit too far the other way and the uh social energy and attitudes towards certain types of offenses are so powerful that it infects the courtroom right mm-hmm. so yeah it's 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 it it happens it's real and and I mean, leaving, and that's just leaving aside um, cases involving police misconduct, right? We're, like we're talking about, because police don't really have a choice. If a, if a complainant walks into a police station and says, this guy sexually assaulted me, this is what happened, this is what he did, um, and uh, police only have that person's word, they lay a charge. They lay a charge, you're arrested, if you're lucky, you get bail, and then you go through the process. At, and that's something where the police haven't done anything wrong because society expects if someone says, this motherfucker raped me, society, mm-hmm. society expects a charge to but be laid. Sh- shouldn't you present some bruising and swabs? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, because it just... It seems like that's 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 that that seems like a hard kick for somebody just pointing finger and saying he did it. But it's... sexual assault doesn't require bruising. It doesn't require penetration. Sexual assault is non-consensual sexual touching. Mm-hmm. So oh, I see. What you mean. grab someone's breast non-consensually and you don't leave a bruise, and there's no one saw it. It's in you know a bedroom. Mm-hmm. Sexual assault, and someone says that you did that. I mean, police often feel like you got to take this seriously there's how do you how do you get out of that let's say i didn't do it and somebody said i did it what do you it's just word against word they're gonna start doing everybody's laundry and seeing who's a good person (laughs) you try to you try to hire a better lawyer than me (laughs) (laughs) no but i mean it it, what what is it going to be is it is a word against word what kind of what if there's no proofs well what do you mean there's no proof what is proof I, i i can't prove i didn't do it she can't prove i did it well, she can prove you did it if she testi- if she testifies under oath and she is believed uh, that that it happened beyond a reasonable doubt. So it's word against word, pretty much, because I'm going to testify and say I didn't do it. You don't have to testify. You have the right to silence, and no adverse inference can be drawn from your silence. But in a in in a case where someone's saying you did it, you can see the pressure to testify yourself is significant. So you can deny it even though there's this legal fiction that says you don't have to prove anything the crown has to prove it but 
You want to know, like, let, let, uh, let me tell you guys about a story uh, that's in the papers. You guys can, you guys can look this up. You can fucking Google it as we're talking. <laughs> um, there was a judge uh, of the Court of Appeal of Quebec. I actually appeared in front of him once. I did my articles in Quebec. Yeah, yeah, I was reading about that. And I appeared in front of him once on a motion with another lawyer. And the Quebec Court of Appeals is a beautiful building in Montreal. Very grand. You go inside, you're like, wow, this is some boss shit. <laughs> and uh, he was accused of murdering his wife. Okay. And he was tried and convicted uh, by a jury. Uh, he didn't testify in his own defense. And he appealed. Imagine appealing to the court of appeal where he used to sit and judge. Holy shit. And they said, nah. Oh. And he appealed again to the Supreme Court or tried yeah. to appeal. He sought leave to appeal. And they said, nah. And after years in custody, uh, he hired uh, one of the best lawyers in the country. His name's James Lockyer. Got the, he has the Order of Canada. Uh, James Lockyer convinced the Minister of Justice that it was a miscarriage of justice. And, and he was released. And now, uh, here, let me fucking Google it right now. <laughs> his, his, his name is uh, Jacques Delisle. J-A-C-Q-U-E-S, French way. And, uh, um, uh, and Delisle is D-E-L-I. S-L-E. I feel like I'm in court always spelling shit. But <laughs> this 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 year, this year, in April of this year, the federal minister of justice, David Lametti, uh, set aside his conviction because you we have in Canada a process for even if all your appeals are dismissed, you can apply to the minister uh, of justice, uh, basically say, you know, this is a wrongful conviction. I want you to review this whole thing. And he did. So imagine a judge of the court of appeal mm. was found guilty by a jury and sustained by the court of appeal, sustained by the Supreme Court of Canada, and only because he had the tenacity of uh, and one of the best lawyers in the country did he finally manage to convince the minister of justice that it was a miscarriage of justice. Holy shit. What so it can happen to anyone. As a judge, why wouldn't he testify? That sounds that seems weird to me, huh? Because well, that one, that's that's a, that's a very interesting point. So what's interesting is you're saying something that the law says, uh-uh, you can't think like that. Right? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You can't think, the law says you can't think like that. It's not your burden to prove that you're innocent. We expect the state to prove you guilty. But what's interesting is i mean it was established and part of the theory of the prosecution was you know he had an, he had been having an affair for a long time with whatever so um you know do you really <laughs> do you really want to hit the box and then the first question the the prosecutor asked you is did you love your wife mm. right love her enough to not you know, <laughs> love her enough not to kill her. Do you want to subject yourself to 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 that potential, which you know is 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 really um, emotion? It emotionally affects people. 
but it's not necessarily probative of of whether or not you committed a murder but the emotions infect the courtroom right mm-hmm. and so but, do you but as a judge he already knows that people are going to think the way i just thought you know what i mean no matter what regardless even even though we say don't don't you're not supposed to right but just like you said walking in into a courtroom with a certain charge gives you a bad stigma right or a bad opinion same thing here is i don't know it, it's really weird to me that a judge didn't testify i hear what you're saying but he knows the game right and maybe so, so there's got to be there, there's got to be something Did, didn't know it well mm-hmm. enough didn't know it well enough he thought i'm sure that he thought and on the advice of his excellent lawyers that they had established reasonable doubt and made an informed decision not to testify nevertheless he was convicted so like wrongful convictions happen man they happen and they happen to anyone is there a uh, an issue with um i know we hear about it in the states all the time but in canada with um like basically people being framed no, i don't know not so much framed but like where the cops just pin by police yeah, yeah they they, they just the pin police. pin the crime on someone mm-hmm. really that 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 happens all the time cops planting evidence i mean just google it there's cases What? man in toronto in the last few years cops planting evidence yeah holy shit man it's so crazy and then it's police 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 and police and they get up right Paid well up. exactly police yeah. investigate the police and yeah no shit you got a guy on your own team looking into it how hard is he looking right. yeah he he chooses to miss the, certain we, things remember that conversation right that they don't the whole department looks bad the whole police force looks bad so it mm-hmm. gets swept, swept under the rug and the punishment is very minimal right Yeah. Have you had law enforcement get pissed off at you? Or is there, are there any ones that have had a problem with you throughout your career? If I that fucking evil grin, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> yeah, but I can't talk about it right now. I'm going oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like I told you before. Some... I definitely, you're going through some shit. Really? Oh, there's something going on right now. Oh, damn. Yeah, yeah. I'm not at liberty to talk about it. But um, yeah, you push against the system, the system pushes back. Wow. Fuck, and that does that ever um does that ever in the back of your mind like fuck what if they plant something on you i'm losing hair man <laughs> i'm not fucking joking is that the stress <laughs> absolutely it is yeah, holy shit. fuck yeah man because it's like uh even when we had someone who you know uh effie zarabi we had her on last year to talk about everything that's going on with her and leading up to the show krill and i were saying like We're fucking with the cops right now. And I'm like, not really. You know, if we carry this thing correctly. And Krill was like, I just don't want to get pulled over for no fucking reason, okay? Like, I don't want any shit coming out of this. But, I mean, nothing ever did. Not that I know of. I don't know. Maybe they're plotting and planning on us or something. But, yeah, man, it's fine. And you're, you're pissing them off every day. Not every day. And you know what? I got to say. Uh, every time it's a win for you it's a loss for a police department is it not not not, necess- not necessarily and there are a lot of good cops man there are a lot of really good cops yeah. there's a lot of people who go into the job and is like listen man i want to help my community i want to keep people safe right there are a lot of good police officers out there but like any profession you have um yeah you, you have the good apples you have the bad apples the difference with the police is that they have the they have the monopoly over the use of force in society right mm. and they are incredibly incredibly powerful uh, and, and um oversight of police is you know and i'm not going to say it's just in canada because like in canada we have a pretty good system 
Mm. Oversight of police worldwide is a problem. It's hard. It's just you should try it back home. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you. I'll tell you a funny story. My my mom's uncle, uh, two of her uncles were lawyers. Okay, um, one of them was a prosecutor, and uh, in so in Egypt. Okay, that's where we're from. Okay, and he was a prosecutor. Uh, and he later became a judge and he's got fucking wicked stories man because imagine <laughs> like a prosecutor in the 50s and 60s in egypt fucking yeah. wild um on and, and that was during a time where there was a you know in in 1952 there was a revolution where uh, the military basically <laughs> let's get rid of the monarchy and the british colonial system that had imposed them and now we're going to be nationalized and blah 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 so uh, the idea of having a strong Egyptian state was like a, a patriotic thing. So he was, you know, all about, you know what, going to be a prosecutor, going to be a good ethical person that keeps our country strong. And uh, he, uh, he, one time uh, he had, there was a lady who was uh, charged with what we would now call in Canada, human trafficking related offenses, but they were like body house provisions, right? Like running a brothel. Okay. And and uh, he got um, he got orders from above him uh, mm-hmm. to uh, to drop the case, and uh, the reason was political uh, because one of her clients was someone important, right? Oh. She, probably, she probably had a tape somewhere or something, right? Well, maybe not back then, but she certainly had the goods on someone. Yeah, she had something, pictures or something, right? And, and 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 he tried to refuse, and he tried to say, if the attorney general of Egypt wants to drop the charge, he can sign it in himself. Mm-hmm. But the pressure came down on him. So uh, his act of defiance was he went around his office and he went to all his colleagues and he said, "Give me all your 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 um, sex trafficking or pimping or whatever cases. Give them all to me." Mm-hmm. Okay, Attorney General <laughs> wants this charge pulled. I'm pulling all of them. Oh, oh shit! Holy shit! How did that go? Did he did he end up okay? He ended up okay. He ended up becoming a judge. Um, Usually, and, when you push back like that, they yeah. But he he actually ended up having a reputation for being very uh, ethical, uh, and he was very well respected. And he's got, he, I'll tell you another story. He became a judge on, in Egypt, it's weird. There is like an intermediary appellate court where our courts of appeal, uh, they don't hear live witnesses, okay? Our courts of appeal decide cases based on what we call the record of the case below. So the transcripts of the proceedings and the exhibits and the evidence, and they read it. And sometimes, yeah, you can tender what's called fresh evidence, but there's limitations on the fresh evidence you can lead. Okay. At the court that he sat on, they sat as a panel of three, mm-hmm. and they had the ability, their discretion, to recall witnesses, to hear from them and question them. Hmm. And he always said how the other judges were lazy as fuck. And they, <laughs> and, and, and they never wanted to uh, recall uh, any witnesses and hear from them. They're like, I ah, just fucking dismiss it. <laughs> <laughs> looks, looks, good, looks good to me. And um, he was, but he was a hard worker and he uh, was getting, uh, he was, you know, reviewing cases and this one, this one uh, kind of case, he, he saw it was 
you know, cop pulls a guy over, asks for license and registration. And back in the day in Egypt, the 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 license that you had was was like it was like full you could fold it. Okay. And so people would fold it and put it on, you know, the the sun uh, visor or whatever. Yeah. And they'd clip it there. And so the cops would say, you know, I pulled him over, asked him for license and registration, and the license, he pulled it out. Uh, and when it opened up, uh, a hashish, a marijuana cigarette, a hashish <laughs> fell out. And so I arrested him for possession of narcotics. And he was like, I was reviewing these cases that were coming up to the Court of Appeal, and I saw this cop's name. And it was the same fucking MO. Five different cases. It was like, same thing, same thing, same thing. So he's like, I, he told his panel members, he's like, we're going to hear these five cases. <laughs> he compiled them all. And he's like, and we're going to hear the witness. And he brought the cop to the court. And the first question he asked him, he's like, you didn't think of switching it up every now and then? <laughs> <laughs> and quash the convictions. But like, and you know, that, and that's like, a, that's, that's a fair judge. But we got to be grateful for our justice system here because, you know, life isn't perfect. The world isn't perfect. We got a lot of a lot of injustice in the world, um, much more injustice in other parts of the world, I think, than we have in Canada. Like, we're very blessed to live here. Mm. But at the same time, um, you know, we, we have to recognize that we have to constantly uh, be pushing and making sure that we maintain a fair system. Mm -hmm. I have a cousin uh, who lives in Egypt. Um, I talk to him pretty frequently. Um, Good dude. He had a couple of buddies. Uh, So synthetic drugs are a big problem in Egypt. Okay. Uh, Like, you know, like uh, the stuff that's kind of like fentanyl and all that kind of stuff. There's very shitty regulation over pharmaceuticals uh, in a lot of parts of the world. Right, not just Egypt, but he had uh, he had one buddy uh, who was with a friend, and they both got arrested um, for possession of drugs. Okay, and one guy had a small amount on him, like less than two grams of a synthetic um, uh, a synthetic drug, and that guy got convicted of simple possession. Mm-hmm. Right, simple possession is like possession for personal use. Right, yeah, it's yeah. not possession for the purpose of trafficking or as the americans call it possession with intent to distribute mm-hmm. uh, and he got a couple years uh the other guy had six grams on him, and he got convicted of possession for the purpose of trafficking okay and he got a life sentence holy shit wow. hold on because we got life sentences in Canada for drugs too. Sometimes there was just a life. The first life how, sentence. How much? Did, how much do you gotta have in Canada to score a life sentence? Are you gotta have a couple of bricks. Well, no, no, no. A couple of bricks of cocaine won't get you a life sentence by any means. No, uh, no uh, it'll get you a few years. But uh, the Court of Appeal just, I think, two days ago for Ontario just upheld the first uh, life sentence for uh, cocaine um and conspiracy to traffic in cocaine and that was a big big trafficking uh operation where they were smuggling boulders <laughs> landscaping boulders full of cocaine like we're talking literally tons of cocaine into canada and these two guys had life sentences uh imposed uh um, so what's 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 the life sentence here again is it 15 years 20 years what is it is it not, uh, not getting out uh, li- a life 
sentence in Canada is a life sentence, but you get uh, you qualify for uh, parole, right? Whereas I'm, I remember you guys talked to that guy. He was yeah, telling you how for first degree murder, it's life sentence is life, but you can't qualify for parole until at least 25 years. If it's second degree, it's life sentence. You qual- and you, you get parole between 10 and 25 years. And then manslaughter, there's no minimum sentence. But like, but here's the kicker for that guy that got a life sentence. My my cousin's uh, buddy's co-accused. Yeah. His trial lasted 15 minutes. Holy shit. For a life, huh? For life, man. 15 so, minutes to decide the rest of somebody's life. This is the thing, man. You know, uh, we, we, we go through life and we assume that the world has shit figured out. Mm-hmm. You know? But we don't live in a perfect world. We don't have perfect <laughs> systems. We have very imperfect systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same Sometimes with- it seems primitive for thousands of years of evolution, doesn't it? Totally, totally. I mean, we we are very, very technologically. It's wild, right? Like you guys are in Kitchener. Yeah, yeah. Yep. This is fucking wild, right? Like this is some this is some alien <laughs> shit, right? <laughs> you know, I can see you. I can hear yeah. you. Wait until Facebook they're dropping some new shit. Now we're not gonna yeah. leave homes at all. Yeah, meta, yeah, exactly. But 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 there are many features of our societies that are still very very primitive and and the criminal law is a blunt instrument right you know it's it's the criminal system is not intended to only punish the factually guilty and exonerate the innocent really what i think it's designed for is to make sure that our society doesn't fall apart that people don't take justice into their own hands that Mm -hmm. people that people don't kill someone for raping their sister right because yeah. and so the reason why we don't do that is because we say you know what we got a system that can deal with it and the system only has to be just good enough right yeah do you think that's why there's a lot of misjustice just to have somebody punished just to say we did somebody got punished for this crime even if we couldn't find somebody we're gonna blame somebody i mean it happens it's part of our history it's part of our social fabric in canada Guy paul moran it's a part oh, of the system yeah, oh yeah Guy paul moran <laughs> Right, Thomas Vaufano, and it happens every now and then, every few years. It happens with a murder, and then we launch a big national inquiry, and it's this big, massive thing. And we don't, we don't uh, stay true to the lessons that we're supposed to learn from those miscarriages of justice. Right, when we have these judicial inquiries about the dangers of relying on jailhouse informants, mm-hmm. and yet I see in Ontario there are anomalies where we're not listening to the lessons of our forefathers about how this shit is dangerous and you got to be careful and there should be procedures in place but you know the procedures sometimes get watered the safeguards get watered down because we get sloppy right it's Mm -hmm. like when you when you first get your license you know the feeling of like fuck yeah I'm gonna drive I got a car. I have, I have, I have Remember being a teenager, getting your license? You're like, yeah. oh, this is the best. And you're like, I'm never, ever going to get into my car after having a drink. It's not yep. because, you know, it's, it's such a privilege to drive. But then you drive for a few years and your friends invite you over. Mm. And, oh, <laughs> it'll just be one drink. And so we water down the protections, the lessons that we had told ourselves initially when we thought about the solemnity and the importance 
mm-hmm. uh, this privilege that we have, we start losing those uh, those safeguards. It's just natural, natural human reaction. You think Jacques Delisle, you, the judge, you get accustomed, God. you get accustomed to things. You get used to doing something, and then you think you're doing it as well, drunk too, right? So it would be the same with trials. I think you think I've seen this before. This guy's guilty. Fuck him. <laughs> but that, but that's 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 the thing too on, the, on exactly what you're talking about on the other end on the end of the judges who get kind of jaded who are like oh, i've seen this defense run right i've seen this defense run a million times mm-hmm. this guy is probably fucking guilty yeah beyond reasonable doubt. i'm convinced beyond a reasonable doubt fuck him totally <laughs> shit. Not, i'm not saying that you know that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, it, I get, it. I get what you mean. You know, I'm not trying uh, to be disrespectful here about how how judges approach those cases, but it, 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 like, we do have to recognize that our 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 minds are imperfect and our reasoning is imperfect, and we are all human, right? It's a human mm-hmm. system. It's 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 not a it's not a, a calculator. It, it, it's a human system that it has to necessarily be subject to the the intricacies of humanity and human life, right? Like everyone is capable of deception. Everyone. Mm -hmm. Men, women, Mm -hmm. non-binary people, everyone is capable of deception. Everyone is capable of revenge. Everyone is capable of being coached or telling a good story. And you know, and, and some and some might argue in defense lawyers, oh, you guys lie for a living. We don't lie. We are, you know, our job is to, and there are ethical constraints on what we can do, but our job is to, uh, however distasteful it is, uh, get our client, uh, move our client away from a conviction uh, by... Uh, doing whatever we can in our power that's short of lying, uh, suborning perjury, accusing someone else who's innocent of a crime, mm-hmm. right? It, it's our, and it's actually like ethically what we have to do. Like our system imposes obligations, constitutional obligations. Like the law says you have a duty of loyalty. You have a duty of commitment to your client's cause. You must, however distasteful this this defense might be you must run it like you you guys remember like a few weeks back or a few months back or a couple months back there was a uh a murder in toronto where these two guys uh, relatively young guys were accused of raping and murdering a lady in east york uh in toronto and yeah, a lot of murders happen, man. It's fucked up. But yeah, that place is fucking scary, man. I used to go and party in Toronto when I was younger, and I'm I'm 40 now. When I was in my early 20s, I used to go there. Nowadays, I'm glad I'm not in my early 20s because I don't think I'd be going to fucking Toronto, getting wasted, drunk, party until 3 a.m. Might come home in a fucking body bag these days. Well, you know, it's it's always part of urban life, man. There's always shit, and you know, I, I told you I hate guns. A big problem in Toronto is 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 gun crime, but the these guys, the defense, and you know, one of my professional colleagues who I, who I know, I get he's a great lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, th- so his client, his client's semen was in the deceased's uh, body. Okay. And she was dead. And she was murdered. Yeah. And and he was saying he was innocent. The defense that he ran, I'm not fucking joking. 
the defense that he ran was other guy killed her. I just had sex with her dead body. Oh my God. Holy fuck. That's not a good defense. It's not a good defense. And I I do. I do. I was like, I was like, both of these these guys are going down for first degree murder. I was positive. And and they did. Is that trying to soften the blow going away from murder to some sort of necrophilia? Yeah, yeah, indignity to a body runner. But it's like, if that is true, if that is true, if what his client is saying is true, mm-hmm. which is not outside the realm of possibility, right? Like it is physically possible that that happened, then he's not guilty of murder, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, but- it's just the truth. If, if, if like, the truth is, if that did actually happen, he's not guilty of murder. It's disgusting. He's a piece of shit. Everyone's going to say, and the jury did say, like, you know, I don't believe him. And he's guilty of first degree murder. Mm. But I mean, like, the the problem is when when we hear really gross facts, we cringe and we get this visceral reaction and you tend to just be like, and it interferes with the reasoning process. And then it's just like, no. First, mm. first degree murder. I'm not fucking acquitting this guy. And so we have to be careful. And, and like, you know, our, our history teaches us that there are times in society uh, when there are uh, forms of mass hysteria about different kinds of crimes. You guys remember the satanic ritual shit of like the 80s and 90s? I was just watching something on Fifth Estate about that the other day. Yeah, a bunch yeah. of people got wrongfully convicted, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it happens. That's crazy. You just mentioned uh, jailhouse informants a few minutes ago. Uh, for you working, say, it's a, it's a, a organized crime case or like a gang-type case, um, is it something like, do you, uh, if, uh, say your client has somebody they could snitch on for a lesser sentence, is that something you would advise them to do? Or is that all on them? Or like, how does that work exactly? How it works in practice is, in my experience, the police try very, very hard when they develop what they call sources, confidential sources, try very, very hard not to get lawyers involved. Okay, because then then the criminal knows their rights. Is that why? It complicates things. Yeah. And... um. Because then you might ask something for your snitch. Yeah. <laughs> but but they but they they're supposed to get their registered confidential informant. They're allowed to get consideration, and consideration uh-huh. could be in the, the in the form of not having charges um, proceed. It can be in the form of money, uh, right? And small amounts of money, especially when we're talking about drug informants and stuff. And so, it might none of my clients have ever asked me to become informants, but I have discovered sometimes in the course of my representation of people that Mm -hmm. they have acted as informants before. And that can complicate things because the law around informant privilege is, is very, very, uh, very strict because the law recognizes law says informants are a valuable part of uh, law enforcement. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. System here loves informants. I knew they did, but I didn't know it just says that flat out. Like, come tell us shit. They teach you from little school and they got it in literally sawed into law. Jesus. And and then there's the other kind of quote-unquote snitching, 
when you know two people are charged with murder for example yeah and, and it's a who done it mm-hmm and you know, and some, and it's it's weird. Our job is fucking crazy because <laughs> because I'm going. We did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a cutthroat defense. My for my my like my colleagues and friends are literally today saw them at court at downtown Toronto, three sixty one University, where there's yeah. a, a cutthroat defense being run, where they're the boyfriend and girlfriend uh, are both pointing fingers at each other, saying, "No, he killed that girl." And he's saying, no, she killed her because he had a thing with the girl. Holy shit. And that, but and so imagine like like I'm doing right now. Well, I'm not gonna talk about this, but let me just say, for example, I'll give you a hypothetical okay. where like I'll be representing someone charged with murder. Mm-hmm. My friend, like a friend and colleague of mine, is representing the co-accused of murder. And the facts of the murder alleged are two people went into a house, this guy died. And then two people exited the house. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like the straight up, this happens. And like, I'm on for one person and my friend is on for the other person. Mm-hmm. And like, we're friends. Like me and the other lawyer are tight. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, all right, bro, we're going cutthroat. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, my client's going to fuck your client up. And they say, but like, obviously you don't want to do that because actually running a cutthroat defense is like, it's usually a bloodbath and no one walks out alive yeah i was gonna say did it both get convinced that they convinced exactly that's yeah. what <laughs> a lot of the time which you is guys, why you guys are taking so much time both of you go Fuck it. <laughs> it's, it's a last resort to go cutthroat right holy shit since uh, i just gotta since we'll, before i walk away too far from that you were saying about the two guys that got the life in canada for drugs for the boulders <laughs> um <laughs> what is i keep hearing conspiracy conspiracy when it comes to big cases what does uh conspiracy what what is conspiracy charge in canada uh conspiracy uh, requires an unlawful agreement uh so it requires what we call a meeting of the minds and there has to be uh, at least two people who agree to commit an unlawful act. That's it. That's a Only two people? That's enough? That's enough. For some reason, wow. I keep hearing, whenever I hear conspiracy, I hear like, I heard about the big crypt gang in Toronto getting conspiracy and then there's this, you know what I mean? So I, for some reason, I thought the conspiracy would be, would inquire more than like five, 10 people, maybe, you know what I mean? Mm. No. Often, often what you have are massive wiretap investigations where uh, they will be uh, intercepting private communications of dozens and dozens and dozens of people, Mm. and they will build a case of a large conspiracy. And those are usually accompanied by what we call criminal organization charges. And so those are a lot of the cases that I do wiretap cases involving. Uh, and some of them are more sophisticated criminal organizations than others. Sometimes the criminal organization is like a bunch of yahoos from a shitty neighborhood who are pretending to be gangsters and they're selling drugs and they're selling drugs, but, yeah. they, but like they're broke as fuck. They're, mm-hmm. um, they're selling drugs probably to catch up on debts for the drugs that they bought because they thought they could make money selling drugs, but it's actually not that lucrative if you're a street level dealer Yeah, and they're just talking on the phones 
saying, yo, I'm going to drop this off over here. Yo, you're going to drop this off over there. Uh, and uh, the police will say, okay, so these guys who put up these videos on YouTube and they call themselves like the X street, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. This, this is a criminal organization. And they'll get charged with organized crime. And sometimes they're just like a bunch of fucking yahoos, right? Wow. And, they, and they might score at the same time that the actual real people do. When you say real people, you mean like... I mean, people real, gangsters? Are, real people that are not broke doing this shit. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's actually sad because in my experience, m- many of the criminal organization uh, investigations uh, in Toronto are targeted um are targeted at racialized uh communities um mm-hmm. who uh you know they don't they don't really stand a chance man in life um to be honest with you and they try to get out of the ghetto uh and uh they don't and um they they end up on these conspiracies getting serious time uh, because it's really, really hard to exclude evidence as a result of a charter breach, for example, a constitutional breach to say these intercepts shouldn't be admitted at trial. Uh, And you you play the, you play the wires in court and it's like, yep, that's his voice. That's him saying this. That's what I was just going to ask. So you get to hear all those wiretaps and everything when you're going through evidence and discovery and all that stuff. So have you ever, in, especially earlier in your career, hear some shit, you're just like, God damn, like something that they say on the phone, whether it be an amount of drugs or something they did, or just like something that's, that's just very, very damning evidence where they're screwed no matter what, like, does, do things like that pop up and you're just like, it even shocks you? Yeah, and usually I'm like, and and <laughs> the fuck, like. <laughs> the, fu- the, 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 the funniest is the funniest is where they'll be like they use code words and yeah. so they'll use code words um to avoid you know if they're being their communications are being intercepted from it being able to be interpreted but the police get these like coded language experts that are basically just cops that like use urban dictionary and stuff and they're like, <laughs> and they're like Oh, ting, ting means gun. Work means cocaine. Uh, uh, you know, uh, a nut of loud means a pound of weed. And <laughs> seriously, and then and 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 they'll be using these code words. And then, but then sometimes they're like so disorganized and so stupid that they'll be using. And I've heard this before. They'll be like using a code word, like "Oh, did you get the whatever?" And the other person's like, "Huh? What's that?" And they're like, "Shotgun." And oh my like, fucking god. <laughs> And it's like, so like, yeah, they're like, they tend not to be, um, you know, but there's different, there's different levels. Right. And then, then there are the like super sophisticated criminals who who, uh, are very surveillance conscious, who, um, you know, uh, use uh, certain kinds of devices, have um, counter surveillance devices to be able to detect uh, secret cameras or microphones who, you know, are very, 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 um, very sophisticated. And some of them are like young guys, like really? early, early 20s who were like, yeah, one of the early Primord cases that I worked on was fucking wild, where it was warring gangs in Toronto uh, who were like, they were just dropping 
bodies left, right, and center. And they were tracking their enemies with like GPS trackers. I'm Holy not joking. Shit. Yeah, man. And like committing murders like while under surveillance and shit. Wow. Holy yeah. shit. I, I had a client out of that case. And what's, you know, he, he, so, you know, story to me and assertion to me uh, is uh, that he wasn't in the game for long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was basically, you know, living uh, in an apartment where, uh, and he was a runner Mm -hmm. uh, and he was, uh, living in an apartment where there was a significant amount of drugs that, you know, technically under the law, he's in possession of it, Mm -hmm. uh, because he has knowledge and control, even though it might, like, he might not own it according to the rules of, you know, the organization or whatever and yeah. other members in the organization may have an interest in him physically being the custodian because then they're not the physical custodians and then it's harder to establish that they're in possession of it but you know he never had he 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 only had an impaired charge once that's all he ever had before and then he gets hit with this on takedown day and gets busted with you know bricks and mm. heroin and fentanyl cool. and, and tens of thousand dollars of cash and uh, boxes of GPS trackers that whose serial numbers match the GPS devices in someone else's place next to some guns. And wow. yeah, we fought long and hard for him and he was out on bail for many years. And it's, he was like, he's, he was like my age. He was what, my age. What ended up happening to him? Yeah, he got 13 years. Oh, shit. Shit. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we fought fought hard for him. And we had, you know, good arguments. So Uh, at this this point, you you fight for harm reduction, right? Because the the evidence is so overwhelming, he's going to get some shit, right? No, we fought hard. We fought hard for him. you you, You were trying to clear his name completely? Yeah, we were trying to win the case. We were trying to exclude uh, the how do evidence. You do, how do you do that with the bricks and the money? Well, a lot of the evidence that was collected in the investigation uh, was, we had argued, unconstitutionally obtained because it was a result of secret cameras that had been installed without warrants. And in his house? No, this was an interesting case. This was in uh, hallway, the hallways of his apartment building. Oh, and, and so the law, you know, the court said the law was kind of unclear at the time, and therefore, you know, ultimately the court of appeal agreed that the cameras installed without warrants were unlawful. But they said, well, the law wasn't super clear at the time, so we're not going to exclude the evidence. So even though there may have been a breach of his constitutional rights, it still goes in. Mm. Uh, and that's what that. That's the fight that you. That's that's the battle that you. That and that you was. Fought. Did he did he get claimed? Because thirteen years seems like a lot. So there was a bunch of people being arrested, right? Was he claimed as a ringleader of some sort? Why did he get so much? Or was there people getting more? Uh, he got one of the heaviest sentences. Yeah. Because the weight that he had was significant. Hmm. Uh, I don't think he was even close to a ringleader, but he was certainly trusted enough to to have a significant amount of weight. Mm. Uh, 
and um, yeah, there's people that, and, and, you know, and, you know, there's other people that were, that were, um, that were arrested as part of that prosecution that were facing very similar charges who, because the evidence against them was a little bit different and weaker, they ended up getting off. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, imagine the injustice. That, that's, that's probably the reason he was sitting on all of that. Okay. Other people can get up, right? Well, well, imagine the, the, the feeling of injustice for someone who's like, yo, I just got into the game like two months ago. These guys told me to, to, you know, hold on to this stuff. I had a good life before and I just, yeah. I just got tempted by the money, my own apartment, my girlfriend, this, that, and the other. Yep. And then a couple months later, you know, all it seems like a, a bit, too, a, a bit too quick, too, too quick to drop kilos on somebody you just introduced into the game for a couple of months. No, that literally seems like he was an escape goat. That's what I'm hearing anyway. He wasn't a scapegoat. He wasn't a scapegoat. No, he, escape, scapegoat. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he was a scapegoat. No, not necessarily. <laughs> not necessarily so? because two not, months. Not, like, if, if you know somebody for two months, what what what's the break going? No, no, no. It's not that he knew them for two months. It's that he he only got involved in the game recently. Because like, think about it. And you grow up with these people, your neighbors and your friends, from when you're like a young age. You hang out with them from when you're like 10, 11, 12 years old. You're from the same neighborhood. Your parents were all broke as fuck. Yeah. You do okay at school but nothing special you live in toronto where it's expensive as shit you don't want to be living in your 20s at your parents place you're never going to get laid like <laughs> you, you, you know you know what i mean and then and it gets tempting and your boys are like yo like i got an apartment at this great condo <laughs> it, it's easy you want you want a place i'll get you a place yeah yeah temptation's a motherfucker man yeah, temptation is, and especially if they, you know, and these these people who work, you know, and not even at a high high level, just a fairly successful level of, of selling dope, they know how to target and manipulate people. They know they know exactly how to find your weakness and set you up with just like that, right? You oh, you want a place? I can hook you up with a place. Fuck, I knew people back in the day that used to fucking rent out apartments, turn them into grow ups, put them in other people's names, and tell these people to give them like five hundred bucks a month. And the fucking the, the unit would get busted. The apartment would get busted. It's in this person's name. You get charged. Turn around, blame it on this guy. That's not going to fucking work. His name's not here. And you're doing it for what? 500 bucks a month. And now you're looking at, you know, not pen time or anything. We're only talking some plants and stuff. But still, you got a record. You're going to jail. Yeah, it's so simple. Um, and I, I saw a surveillance. Um, what was I going to say about that? Oh, uh, the first thing I find funny these days, back in the day, it really wasn't a thing back when I was getting into shit, but uh, burner phones. Are they actually a thing that help criminals fucking continue success? So it's interesting, right? Um, that was a case. That other case that I worked on was a case where uh, police had used technology that they still have. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys, you guys ever watched The Wire? Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. It's my favorite show of all time. Snowfall is getting close. Snowfall is getting real close, but The Wire, it's still hold number one for me. Yeah, I agree. I think The Wire is the best uh, TV show of all time. Yeah, yeah. fucking amazing. And um, in The Wire, you may recall that there was a device uh, called, I think, a kingfish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the kingfish was the precursor to uh, something called a stingray. And in Canada, you know, we can call it a stingray or kingfish or whatever kind of ominous name you want to give it. Yeah. What the authorities call them are cell site simulators. Okay. Cell site simulators are devices that mimic cell towers. Okay. okay. And so they can connect to 
all of the cell phones uh, within a certain radius. Mm -hmm. And when they connect to those cell phones, different kinds of cell site simulators have different capabilities. Mm -hmm. Some of them are only able to get uh, what we call the IMC number or the IMEI number. It's a serial number that every physical device has. Yep. It's not necessarily tied to a SIM card uh, or your a phone number. And when they collect that, they're able to, you know, see, oh, all of the phones, so all of the cell phones in this 300 meter radius or whatever it is, yep. they get like a spreadsheet of all of these IMC numbers. And other cell site simulators are able to actually intercept communications of all of the cell phones within a certain range. Wow. Yeah. That, and, would that be legal? Just screen everybody? And so, so, so. <laughs> I love that fucking grin. You know, you something know, awesome's coming after it. <laughs> no, no, but you know, you, 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 you know, you might make a good defense lawyer, man. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you, you asked about burner phones. So in this investigation, uh, the police had obtained a warrant to use cell site simulators. And what they would do is they would have a target mm -hmm. uh, that they got a wiretap warrant on and they'd follow them and they would deploy the machine uh, at, when they were within a certain range of this person mm -hmm. and they would collect the serial numbers of all of the phones in that range. Okay. And, and when they uh, uh, did that, they were able to see, okay, where is the, and they would follow the person somewhere else and they'd stay on them surveillance and they say, okay, this guy's going to the mall now and they'd go to the mall or whatever. And they would deploy it again. Mm -hmm. and, then, and they would deploy it in a third place or in a fourth place or whatever. And they have all of these lists now and through process of elimination, they're able to say, aha, this serial number shows up here, here, and here, where we were following this guy. And so even if that person took their SIM card out and put it into another phone, yeah, they were able to get the IMEI number of the physical device, the actual device, right? And then they go back to the telco and say, we have grounds to believe that this person's using this other phone put us up on the wires on that one holy shit and then and then, this is like this is we're talking about a case that's like you know set it's like seven years old like this mm -hmm. technology the technology now is mm -hmm. far more scary far mm -hmm. more scary uh from a you know 1984 george orwell perspective the technology <laughs> they have is truly fucking creepy and it's enough to make you lose your hair <laughs> um how much difficult how much more difficult does your job get when your client lies to you that's funny uh that's i asked this because my first yo charge i fuck i lied completely lied to my fucking lawyer and he found out right away and he was like listen if you lie to me, I can't fucking help you. You're fucked. So don't ever lie to me again. And any any shit I got in after that, I just told him the whole truth right up front. They're like he was like, I'm on your side. Don't fucking lie to me. And so yeah. It's interesting. I definitely don't want clients to lie to me, but sometimes I don't want them to tell me everything. There's Why a difference. Is that? Because it can put I've, ethical. I've had, a I've had a lawyer tell me that. Really? <laughs> I've had a lawyer tell me don't tell don't, don't tell me nothing I shouldn't know. That's uh... <laughs> no, not don't tell me anything I shouldn't know. What I mean by that is, okay, let's say I get a client who comes in, 
and they're charged with murder. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the, um, the defense is maybe ID. Let's say it's a swarming stabbing and the surveillance video isn't clear. And, uh, you know, it's uh, unclear who our client among the three people that are there is, and only one person stabbed this guy and the other two didn't know this person had a knife and there's yeah. no DNA for some reason and whatever. Okay. And the guy, and all three are charged with first degree murder. And I get one of them and he comes in. Do I really want him to tell me the whole story? No, mm. because I have an ethical constraint. If he tells me I'm the stabber, mm -hmm. I am not ethically able at trial to point the finger at uh, Johnny, who's not yeah. my client, and say, jury, that guy might be the stabber. Yeah. And so the client comes in. The first thing I say is like, shut up. Let me, <laughs> let me ask you some questions. Let me get the disclosure. Let me see what the crown can prove. Right? Let me yeah. see what the crown can prove. And, and it may be at some point that I'm going to ask you what happened. Mm -hmm. but here are the potential defenses available to you. We might never need you to testify. We could just say, hey, Crown can't prove it. And that's totally ethical, right? It's totally ethical to be like, Crown can't prove it. They have to withdraw the charge or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't like it when clients lie to me because it can cause me to take some investigative steps that could hurt my client. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I, I don't want them to limit their own defenses sometimes by saying something stupid. And, and, and frankly, uh, you know, very often clients, their first version of events to you is a total lie and you buy it and you're like, oh shit, okay. <laughs> and then you get some disclosure and you're like, mm, I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and then they give you story number two. And then it's like, okay, okay, okay. And then you get more disclosure and you're like, mm, I'm not sure that's true either. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's, it's really tough because we're like constantly faced <laughs> ethical dilemmas in our job. Like every single case is like, oh, fuck, what am I going to do here? <laughs> and so over time with experience, you start, you know, realizing very early on that you need to control the conversation with certain people. I'll give you an example. I got a call the other day from a hysterical woman. Mm -hmm. Hysterical woman. I speak Arabic uh, and I get a lot of calls from, uh, from the Arabic community. Right. And she calls me and she's like, Oh, hello, is this Sharif? Um, like, yes. And like I can tell from the like I know my instincts. I'm like, I know what this is about. What's mm -hmm. it, what this is about is is this is a woman whose husband has been charged with assaulting her. And um she did not realize that once he's charged with assaulting her, he's gonna be put on conditions not to communicate or contact her. And she didn't realize uh what would happen what the legal system would would do mm -hmm. and so the first thing i say i you know i hear her in her voice i hear her speaking arabic and i hear that she's hysterical and she tells me it's about my husband and i say hold the phone don't uh -huh. tell me anything uh -huh. ask you some questions and i need you to just answer them and don't tell me anything else okay okay is this a criminal case? 
she says no and i say and i just still don't believe her yeah. <laughs> and i'm like okay has anyone been arrested and she's like yes <laughs> and i'm like so it's a criminal case <laughs> right and uh, and then i'm like who has been arrested she's like my husband and i'm like okay are you the complainant and she's like well no what happened was and i'm like shut up <laughs> <laughs> yes or no answers <laughs> no, but the reason why i say shut up is because i want to know who's going to be my client yeah because if he's gonna if she's looking for a lawyer for her husband and then she tells me but here's what happened i called the police and i told them that he assaulted me but it was a lie and i just want him home boom i'm conflicted i can't yeah. represent him because i can't then represent him and then in court cross-examine her and be like you told me that you lied because then i'm a fucking witness right yeah yeah and so over time you develop instincts to be able to deal with the ethical dilemmas early on and in a way that protects the integrity of the process so from her i said okay so you're a witness are you looking for legal advice for yourself or for your husband she says for my husband so i say give me his contact information i'm not going to speak to you again mm -hmm. i can't help you i will speak to your husband if at some point you need legal advice which you may well need I am happy to arrange to get another lawyer to contact you so that you guys can both be represented and so that no one is violating court order. Mm -hmm. You know, but lawyers in their first and second and third year often don't have those instincts right away. And mm -hmm. they get, it's hard, man. It's hard because it's like, what do you do? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like even when you were talking about the cell phone towers and all that shit, like you must, it must be a continuing learning process for you because there's so many aspects and so, crimes can be so unique and individual where you got to catch up on this and that. And I mean, just staying up with the times like technology, you fucking probably know more about technology than the average person would. And it doesn't even have to do with your field of work, really. You're, you don't work in tech support or some shit. Exactly. Right. Like, yeah, it just must be a continuing learning process with all the law stuff, plus all the shit outside of it. And even even the drug stuff, you got to know what's what in the dope world. Right. Like exactly. And you got to know medical stuff when you're dealing with a homicide and you're dealing with causation. Yeah. And you got to deal with, you know, how alcohol metabolizes itself in the body when you're dealing with um, impaired driving. And you got to know uh, psychiatry when you're dealing with someone who's running a defensive, non-criminally responsible by reason of mental disorder. Oh, and shit. right. And, and so like, wow, it, I'm not saying you have to be an expert in everything. No, no. But I mean, you at least have to have an understanding of it or at least know who to talk to, who can explain to you, in like normal terms like, yeah yeah so you can so you can understand it you can and then you can talk on it right but what you dealing with you said you deal with a lot of organized crime cases right have you ever had a problem where the case failed and then you had some sort of blowback from the from the actual organization oh no and like <laughs> you, you you can't represent an organization right because yeah, obviously, but, but i mean of the risk of conflicts of interests but I mean, when you represent a member and yeah. a member, member gets convicted and you, you ever had the organization blame you? No, to you? no, I've I've been very fortunate. I'm just pulling some movie shit now. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've been I've been very fortunate that my 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 clients and to a fault, my, my I work hard for my clients and my and clients can tell, you know, yeah, they can tell when you work hard. So like a lot of 
times and you'll lose their case sometimes and they'll be like you know thanks like you fought for me that's all they really want man they want someone to fight for them that's all right whether it's whether it's a member of like a serious criminal organization or not and especially if you're dealing with organized crime Kirill, like you know they're in the game usually yeah mm-hmm. and it's like if you're in the game like you know like the rules of the game are if like you fuck up you might go down and they mm-hmm. don't usually blame their lawyer that's not to say there aren't lawyers who get into some shit sometimes like there was a lawyer who got shot outside his office that was like just down the street from my office a few years ago holy fuck man that's got to put some thoughts in your head when you're driving to work the next morning (laughs) (laughs) i try try not to piss off my clients holy fuck you do legal aid work too right and i'll tell you why where this question's coming from i knew a guy that was sold a bunch of dope back in the day and uh he got legal aid because he didn't work. So he's like, fuck it. I'm not going to go pay for a lawyer. Then I look guilty. So he's on legal aid. He shows up to this fucking lawyer. Do you know who Brennan Smart is? Have you ever heard of him? I know Brennan Smart. He's a great lawyer. Yeah, he was my lawyer back in the day. He helped he's a, a lot. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great kitchener lawyer. He's a fighter. Yeah, so uh, that's who was representing this guy. This guy shows up at Brennan Smart's office with like a $5,000 bottle of alcohol to give to him as a gift. And Brennan Smart, from what I heard, Brennan Smart was like, get the fuck out of my office. <laughs> Is there like, if you if someone's on legal aid, they can't come give you cash on the side, can they? Uh, so uh, legal aid requ- requires you to disclose if you get a private retainer on a matter if they're paying you for fees, you have to, so often what happens is, for example, someone will um, hire you for, uh, let's say a bail hearing and, and like, it's not legal aid. And I don't do like, generally I don't do, although sometimes I do legal aid bail hearings. Okay. And, and early on in my career, I got burned. I'd do bail hearings and they'd get up and never pay me and shit. But <laughs> that happens, man. You got to get burned uh, sometimes. But <laughs> And you then disclose that to legal aid and they'll claw it back from the amount of money that they pay you on the file. Ultimately, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like if you get a private retainer, you disclose to legal aid and then they uh, claw that back from. Um, but that beats the purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like if someone, if, if someone, if someone had like a good retainer and they also qualified for legal aid, they'll be like, I'm not taking your legal aid certificate. Give me the money. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> Yeah, because legal aid is like, it, what is it like a, a percentage of what your fee is, or is it just one flat fee? Like, how does how do lawyers get paid from legal aid? It's so it's a, in Ontario. Different provinces have it uh, different, but in Ontario, um, so you have to be impaneled with legal aid, and most lawyers are impaneled, but like not all lawyers do legal aid work. And mm-hmm. once impaneled with legal aid, that means that you are allowed to accept legal aid certificates and a legal aid certificate is someone who's basically broke because the yeah. for qualifying for legal aid is super low mm-hmm. um, yeah, you um, apply for legal aid and only if you like make under a certain amount of money and you're facing a, pot- a, re- a potential jail term uh, okay. will you qualify for a legal aid certificate and then if they, if you qualify for legal aid certificate, you can take that to any lawyer who's impaneled with legal aid and say, hey, will you take my case? I have a cert. And then you accept the certificate and then you represent them on legal aid. And um, the threshold in Ontario is like what annual, let me see, legal aid um, threshold, Ontario eligibility. Um, yeah, let's see here. So 
yeah if if you make uh uh if you make more than eighteen thousand seven hundred ninety five dollars a year as a single person you cannot qualify for legal aid no matter you, you pretty much got to be on welfare or something right yeah yeah if, if you make minimum wage you're not qualifying for legal aid it's fucked holy shit man and, and even if you you know are totally broke uh and let's say you're facing a charge where the crown is asking for a criminal record and they're only asking for a suspended sentence. So, so they're asking for probation, but still suspended sentence. So a criminal record, you won't qualify for legal aid because they're not asking for jail. Mm-hmm. So you see what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. even if you're going to mm-hmm. get a criminal record, even if you're dirt fucking broke, you won't qualify for legal aid. There's got to be a risk of jail. Jesus. Now there are some exceptions, some exceptions, but generally that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy wants to hop on. Garbage. Our, uh, our American co-host wants to hop on, just yeah. so you know. We're just going to let her in. We can keep talking. Um, just letting you know, just so when you when you hear her pop on. Um, How do we do it so the screen doesn't go black when she talks? Um, if that? you want, you can... Uh, I just sent her the link. If you want, we can stop this, start a new recording, and then when I edit it, I can piece them together, no problem. No, but I mean, so the screen doesn't go black when she talks, when I add her in, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last time, last time there was a glitch. Um. Yeah, spare with us for a minute, Sharif. Yeah, no problem. You smoke a joint? Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, sure. Sorry, Sharif. Yeah, she's uh, she, she's also, uh, Amy's also a chef. And uh, she works in catering at a restaurant. Plus, she has her family Thanksgiving tomorrow and all this stuff. So she just messaged me. She said, any chance you guys are still going? I was like, yeah. She's like, how is he? I was like, he's fucking dope. She's like, oh, I want to hop on. I was like, hop on for the last little bit while we're finishing up. So, uh. It's nice to have her. It's the cool thing about having Amy on too is you get a, a different perspective. For one, it's a woman, and also she's in the states, right? Yeah. So it's it's a completely different perspective on anything we talk about. Whether it's since we're talking about states, have you have you followed any of the Rittenhouse trial? Yeah, I followed it a bit. What do you think about that trial being televised by minute and then uh, Griselda Blanco, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the Maxwell, the Maxwell woman in England? Her trial, all we got is a sketch. It's interesting, right? Like, before, before the pandemic, we didn't have televised, really have televised trials in Canada. No, but it's, well, but this is a state, this is a state trial, though, right? Rittenhouse is a state trial. In, yeah, in, this, in the States, they've had televised trials for a long time, right? Like Michael Jackson. OJ. Yeah, since OJ, right? OJ is what changed that that whole so shit they change, i don't know if they had uh, televised trials before no there was like the uh, when was the menendez brothers that, that would have been at the same time right yeah right around there right around there i watched a I all fuck basically all i watched is documentaries and shit like that and i watched a a thing about how the media and uh um court trials how it changed after the oj thing because everybody wanted to see it and then court tv blew up and the, you know you could sit down sit home watch trials 24 hours a day Oh my God, that's fake trials of Judge Judy and shit. No, 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 <laughs> real <laughs> trials, not Judge Judy. <laughs> Hurt in a car called William Matar. But yeah, what do you think about that? <laughs> what do you think about the uh, about the, that English trial? I don't think it's getting enough love. I think that shit should be blown up, and it's not Which happening. Trial? The one with the child trafficking. Who is that? Maxwell. Maxwell, yeah, Maxwell trial. I didn't know she, her trial was going on. I didn't really. Yeah, that just kind of disappeared. <laughs> it started. It's it's gonna go on on uh, on 29th. I think they just picked the jury. Oh, interesting. And she's being tried in uh, in uh, in the UK. 
I think so. Bill, that's where they got her. I'm not sure where, she, where she's being tried, but they busted her in UK. She's from UK, so I don't know. No, let me just see here. A US judge has granted British permission to call psychologists. Uh, no, I think she's being maybe tried in America. Uh, let me just see here. U.S. District Judge Allison Nathan in Manhattan. So she's being tried in New York, but not all trials are uh, are televised. No, it's just what it, I, I obviously there was a lot of powerful people involved in there, right? With the Epstein and everything. I mean, to get somebody suicided in a jail cell while guards are sleeping, you got to have some pool. You know what I mean? That's, that's, <laughs> that's not just you know. But I'm just saying the and. Uh, that trial's getting <laughs> that trial's getting barely any attention. You know what I mean? That's the one I would like to watch. After I've seen that kid being chased down and hit with a fucking skateboard, I would have shot back myself. There's no, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no real. But the the Rittenhouse trial, it's very divisive because it's weird. It it's oh, we got your we got your friend here, Amy. Yeah, yeah we got Amy. Amy, you're here. I am here. All right. Well, so meet what, Sharif. What, what, Sharif, you can't see Amy. She's not on video. Just a picture. Her screen not going black every time she talks. I'm not sure, but don't worry about it right now. Okay. I can fix it in post production. We'll worry about it on the next one. All right. That's cool. Uh, All right. So, Amy, Amy, just to catch up, we're talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse and Giselle oh, Maxwell and all that stuff. <laughs> Griselda Blanco. Griselda Blanco, as Krill just called her. Yeah. All right. right. All right, Sharif. Sorry. Do you remember your thought? Yeah, I was just gonna say like. Rittenhouse is interesting because Rittenhouse, like from a like self-defense perspective, right? And what is self-defense? Self-defense is like a normative uh, view of whether you're allowed to do something. Like he lives in a sick society where carrying guns is not fucked up, right? Like mm-hmm. in Canada, you can't be walking around anywhere with an AR-15. Right. Whereas somehow in his society. He's walking around with an AR-15 and he's not like immediately arrested. And but there was people know. burning down stores and cars not being arrested. Too, wait a right? wait a minute though. Like you was... mean that he, as a minor, crossed state lines to insert himself in a violent situation to then say it was self-defense? You know, well, I, no, I, he, he he said he went there to protect the protect the uh, a car lot, yes, car lot property of somebody he knew. Great, sure. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, that makes sense to do. A- Amy, I was telling these guys earlier, like, I personally hate, I'm not a big fan of guns. I think one of our biggest threats in Canada in terms of uh, crime and criminality and our gun crime here, our biggest threat <laughs> is that long border that we have with the United States. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Seriously. I, it, I, I'm in the States. I agree. Like, the U.S. is a sick society to, to, to constitutionally allow people to just have machine guns. And why, why don't European countries have as many shootings in their big cities as Canada? Because they, are, they don't have contiguous borders with America. The reason why we have a lot of gun crime in Toronto is because we have a porous border with America. I've got a question actually about that. Have you noticed that uh, uh, gun crime and uh, gun possession went up since the weed went legal? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know the stats enough, but... You don't think so? I don't know why I've noticed it being like blown up last couple of years, ever since the weed became legal for some reason. At at least there became a lot more shootings in Kitchener anyways. So wait, forgive me because I missed all this. I'm sure this is a repeat, but I know you're, I know you're a lawyer. Um... Are you, do you have like a specialty? Like, are you? 
criminal defense. Criminal defense. Oh, great. Perfect person to talk to you about this. Sorry. I just, I didn't know what your background was. <laughs> I was like, is he a tort lawyer? Like, what does he do? <laughs> Pretty right. much criminal defense. Great. Sorry, Sharif, carry on if you remember your thought before these two so rudely interrupted nope, you. No, no, no. <laughs> interrupting, interrupting. I'm, I'm jealous of Kirill. I'm going to do something off camera uh, similar. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> you go take a break. We'll call the bathroom break. <laughs> no, no, I'm right here. I'm right here. I got Uh-oh. it. See, <laughs> <laughs> so Amy, she, eat your, uh, your gummies. I have, dude, they're in my hand right now. For real? <laughs> for real, for real. I'll send you a picture. Um, no, and so what's even funnier, and by funny, I don't mean funny, but not only do I live in the States, I live in the South. So, like, I don't know how much of, like, how much familiarity you have with this wonderful place I live, but as far as um, Georgia. So, as far as guns go, there's a lot of good old boys down here that love them some guns. But, I, don't, uh, I don't know, man. I like, yeah, I get it, you know, testosterone and shit, but like, I have no, like, I always, I, I always thought it was, you know, more impressive if you could wrestle someone, you know, than if you could just like pull out a machine and point it at someone, pull a trigger. Like, any fucking 12 or 13 year old can do that. And it's right. not, it's not particularly manly to be able to do that. But like, if you want to be all macho and shit, like go to toe to toe with someone. Why? Why? Why do you? Why do we need to have a society where, you know, we have the freedom to be able my to right. defend ourselves? Yes, mm. my rights. That's what What's, it's all about. That's, that's history. It's been built on war, right? They came over and they started war with the natives, and it, it, it's built mm. on that. Right? Well, the, so the gun <laughs> thing is built on the fact that they left another country to come to this one. And as it was written, this is the whole argument. This is the crux of the Second Amendment argument for a lot of people in this country, is that it's a constitutional right. It was put in place to protect people from a tyrannical government, which is what they were escaping. It was not written to allow you to have people hunters, like automatic, you know, like non-civilian grade (laughs) fucking armor to like gun down a fucking public place. So the, the idea of having guns is not a bad idea. But the way that it has been translated over time has not accounted for technology and changes in society. Yeah, America is just a bit more extreme, right? Like there's some things about America that I really admire. Like in Canada, we're very, very deferential to government, Amy, right? Yeah. Like in, in America, it's, you know, what is it? It's um, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what they say, sure. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And in Canada, it's really like <coughs> peace, order, and good government, right? Um, and I like some of the things like, you know, you hear some of the, uh, the quote-unquote founding fathers of the states, where it's like every now and then the tree of liberty must be, you know, quenched with the blood of patriots and tyrants and shit. Like, I, right. the idea that we have to keep in order to have a uh, just and... Um, equal society where government isn't encroaching on our rights we have to have checks and balances but like it it leads to like teenagers being able to have like machine guns like Mm -hmm. 150 years later like that's that's fucked up we don't we don't the 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 idea of keeping the government in check has transformed itself into the citizenry all having mass killing machines it's just like totally disconnected and 
Americans are smart and there's a lot of educated, <laughs> there's a lot of very educated and brilliant legal minds who support, um, you know, the second amendment right to be able to have these guns and stuff. And I think it goes to show that you can use reason and legal reasoning to really justify any result you want. Oh yeah. At a certain point though, it just feels wrong, right? Like the, it, it intuitively feels really fucked up to say that, oh, because we need to keep the government in check, that means everyone gets the right to carry an AR-15. Like, yeah. right. If you were given the Rittenhouse case and you've seen that, you've seen the video, right? I, I haven't seen the whole video. No, but what's your question about that? Would I, would <laughs> I have in self-defense? Yeah, would you, would, you, would you go in for it? Would you prove that it was self-defense? Well, I mean, that's your job if he's your client. Exactly. That's your job if he's your client. Like, what are you going to do? I wouldn't have pled guilty to murder if I were him. What's, what's the, what, what, like, you know. Well, he, was, if, he was looking at life, right? <laughs> if they were convicted, he was going to go. Was yeah, and they, and they were never going to give him a plea deal because of the public. He disappeared. Which is, which is a little surprising considering he was a minor. Yeah. You guys there? Yep. Yeah, you're back now. Okay, you're yeah, 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 drop for a second. We're good. Just the audio drop for a second. All good. Uh, it was a little surprising, though, given that he was a minor, that he may have gotten... I mean, everybody knew he was going to get off, so there was no surprise there. But had he not, that he was a minor and they were still pretending to try to make an example out of him was kind of entertaining. Yeah, I mean, I watched, I watched some stuff, and you know that the, 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 the trial judge the way he was with the prosecutors was is like how trial judges are with defense lawyers like every day yeah really just dismissive and fucking arrogant wow they pulled though that he was laughing at them i've seen clips of that he he was just saying come on you're an experienced guy you shouldn't be doing this." yeah 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 well they said i i read about him they deserved some of it is what i'm saying I read about him because I was, I didn't follow any of the case, but I read about him because I was seeing that. And uh, supposedly he, he was appointed like in the mid eighties by a liberal, like a Democrat who chose him, handpicked him. And he has never, ever, ever been voted out. He runs unopposed most years. Apparently most people actually really like him. Um, but I didn't watch any of it. I just saw a lot of the coverage and I was like, you sound like you shouldn't say all these things. (laughs) I'm not a judge. I don't know. Yeah, some some of the stuff he said was wild, but like, you know, ju- judges say all kinds of wild shit all the time. Like, we had a we had a judge in Canada um, who like wore a Trump hat to or brought a Trump. Hey, hat to what court. the fuck? Right. <laughs> That's good. What the fuck? A lot yeah. of people here. Well, it's, <laughs> we do get affected a lot by what happens in states. So a lot of people here. Participate. <laughs> I'm going to okay, fucking wear a Trudeau hat to work tomorrow. <laughs> no, it's, it's wild. It's like one, like you're not in America. So <laughs> what is the, what is the message you're sending by wearing a Trump in court in Canada? Right. Like what is the message that you're sending? Right. Mm. And, uh, and like, you know, even if it was a Trudeau hat or a whatever O'Toole hat in Canada, that would still be hella inappropriate, mm-hmm. right? It would be mm-hmm. hella inappropriate. Even more so. 
Yeah. Well, I don't know if more so than Trump, like the message that you're saying <laughs> with, the Trump, with the Trump hat is, I think if you come into my courtroom and you're either gay or black or uh, Muslim, you're not going to get a fair shot with me. I think that's the message that a Trump hat sends, right? Like, I think there are a lot of messages that could be sent there. That's one small chasm. Yes. But anyways, he, he, he only got suspended for 30 days. What? Holy yes. shit. I, I also, if I ever had to appear in front of that judge again, like you bring a recusal application every single time. How can, how can any defendant get a fair trial with a judge who brings a Trump hat into court? Well, I mean, if, if this person was of the same ilk, he maybe he'd get a very, 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 very fair trial. But then the but then the other opposing side wouldn't. I know, I know. When uh is that not a thing too? Like, well, I know it is a thing, but like, what, what is the, 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 like the, the, the process or whatever, the logic going into uh, lining things up with the right judge in front of the right client or criminal or accused, whatever you want to say. It's the luck of the draw, man. Is it? So it's not, that's not like yeah. such a big part of the strategy. we got to get you in front of this one. Cause they'll be you, more you, sympathetic. You it's hard. It, you can't really shop around. You don't really have control. You just fucking is, hope for the best. Decides. Is there public? Do you guys do the public defender thing there? Is that a thing? Um, duty we have, council. We have, we have duty council, and there's very, very, very few duty council who run uh, trials. For the most part, uh, they only deal with uh, bail and first uh, appearance. Sometimes first appearances and mm-hmm. some indigent clients. Yeah. yeah. So, so what if you're just like hella broke and I don't have a lawyer? Like what? happens to you you have to go to trial that's legal aid we'll have to go back and watch earlier in the show and if you don't get legal aid and you're still hella broke yeah and you have to go to a trial you can try to bring an application for funding from the court uh, unless it's like a super complex case you're probably shit out of luck and you're forced wow. to, you're probably forced to go self-represented in america it's not like that you guys have gideon v wainwright a case from the 60s where in any felony case in america you are constitutionally entitled under yeah. the sixth amendment to right to counsel the right. right to representation we don't have that in canada so we actually have a crisis where do, free, do you know where free lawyers in america come from since you go on a trial you shit broke you get a lawyer where does that lawyer come from the public defender's office and and honestly yeah, but Public I mean, defenders it, 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 in guys... America are, are, are hella talented and very. Yeah. They have to be. <laughs> not like, not no offense to duty counsel here, but not like duty counsel here. I mean, if you get arrested <laughs> here and you got duty counsel, fuck it. Just lock yourself up. Well, duty counsel just won't, run, generally speaking, they won't run your trial. And so, yeah, we, we, have, we have a different culture with, um, with counsel for indigent people. Uh, and it's th- that's the thing, right? Like um, America has some real, um, some real advantages, I think, in their legal system that protect defendants' rights in some ways. Well, and we then, we have life in prison and the death penalty, so they have to have some way of maybe getting out of that. Well, that's that's the thing. On in other ways, the American system is way more unfair than the Canadian system. Oh yeah, military sentences, 75 years, 150 <laughs> years. Dude, you can get like life sentence on top of life sentence. I know, that's sentence. the stupidest shit ever. He's been sentenced to 931 years. But it's not when you consider the fact that they plea bargain it down and they get half time served for good behavior and they get all these things that like eligible for parole, like 
So you're not down to 400 years. Well, no, but that's real. Like you could get a 150 year sentence, serve 40 and be out. Oh, wonderful. That's a fucking (laughs) circus, man. Only serve 40 and be out. Wow. (laughs) All I'm saying is it's not what it sounds like. (laughs) Basically, you better go in in your fucking 20s or else you're dying in there. Here's an idea. Quit breaking the law, uh, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about earlier in the show, Amy, actually how anyone could go to jail. Oh, yeah. Um, it was pretty cool. Cool. Yeah, when you back, back and listen to it, you'll find uh, pretty interesting. I was going to say, oh, oh, Sharif, um, working uh, organized crime, that usually spans across borders, international and shit. So have you ever had or do you have to work with lawyers from other countries? Is there like, is, is there ever anyone tied into like a ring where it goes outside of Canada? So, uh, I, you know, I worked on one case that, that Boulder case or whatever, we, we yeah, had, yeah. <laughs> I, I had represented, uh, a client. He ended up ultimately, uh, getting 17 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh but what, I did what with, was the crime? Uh, conspiracy to import uh, cocaine. Oh. He was moving <laughs> landscaping boulders, Inside like the big, box. the big boulders. Okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> and a whole bunch of every like a whole bunch of ancillary offenses, possession of proceeds of crime, money laundering, blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and um, we didn't work with lawyers from other countries uh, in that case, but what we did certainly was uh, we had to deal with uh, certain uh, a- international aspects of the case. So in that case, they had actually got an American uh, police officer who was a he was with the Dallas Police Department and cross-listed as a U.S. federal marshal, and the Crown had um, wanted to tender him as an expert in uh, Mexican uh, drug cartels because, yeah, their their theory of bulk cash smuggling was similar to how the Mexican drug cartels operated, et cetera. And so there's some cool aspects of that. We ended up getting his evidence excluded on the basis that there was no evidence our members were actually members or associated with the Sinaloa cartel. Mm. And, we were, and we were saying, this is just something they want to put in front of the jury. Because, and at the time, remember, the cartels were like just decapitating fucking dozens of people and shit. Yeah. So I was like, yo, you can't, I, I didn't say it like this, but to the judge, I was like, yo, you can't let a jury hear about Mexican drug cartels when there's no evidence that our guys are part of a Mexican drug cartel because they're just going to be like thinking of the decapitations and like it'll overwhelm their uh, mm-hmm. reasoning and the judge was like mm, I agree <laughs> <laughs> and exclu- excluded that but then we lost the case and, yeah. are, you allowed, are you allowed to say where where did all that cocaine came come from if it wasn't cartel because <laughs> it, it oh. has to be a good connection right to a pipeline right if you got a boulder of cocaine <laughs> Oh, the, I think they were coming in from Brazil. Brazil. Like it was a big international scheme. <clears throat> were you guys talking about, I don't know if you were talking about like, just happened to be talking about Rittenhouse, but like, were you talking cases? Were you talking about the Ahmad Arbery case at all that came down today? No, we the only thing that. was, no, no, no. What just is it? just Rittenhouse. Um, well, I'm not going to explain the whole thing unless you guys, like, are you familiar with what I'm talking I'm about? I'm not at all. Not Sorry, off the top you? of my head. Yeah, 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 he is. Yeah, yeah. So correct correct me if I'm wrong here then with my summary, but basically last year when everything kind of went like molten lava down here for three or four months around the George Floyd thing, um, not too long before that, this man, Ahmaud Arbery, had been shot to death. And apparently there were people who felt that it was unjust and that his neighbors basically hunted him down and killed him. 
this had been a concern and a complaint for quite some time, but it was never investigated. And then like the George Floyd thing happened and Breonna Taylor happened and all these things happened. So people started coming forward and being like, yo, what the fuck about this? And as it, as it happened, um, he was jogging and his neighbor shot him to death. And the long and the short of it were, they fancied themselves a little neighborhood militia and basically said they thought he had been break, breaking into a house that had had construction going in it, which he had not been, they determined. And that there were all these things that they thought he might have. Done. Then this is how it even came out in court. They thought maybe might have, could have, maybe we thought like there was no definitive anything. And then when they went back later and was like, was this the man you saw in this place? Well, no. Was this the guy that broke into your neighbor's house? Well, no. And so the, all these things came to light later that he wasn't there. He wasn't the guy they thought he was. He just was a black guy in a white neighborhood who was jogging. And they literally, a father and a son who was friends with the DA. Oh, um, yeah. I remember him this down now. In their pickup truck and shot him to death. And I anyway, remember. I bring it up because literally the verdict came down today and all three of them shockingly were found guilty. Wow. Yeah. It's surprising. Shocking. Yeah. Then there was some messed up stuff that happened in that trial i didn't follow the actual trial i've been working so much lately it was i haven't heard much about it what was well um the defense lawyer was objecting to so it's an open court right Mm -hmm. open court principle anyone should be allowed to be in court but the family was like joined by people like al sharpton and jesse jackson and the defense lawyer objected and was like we don't want any more black pastors with the family. People are like, what did you say? What the fuck? And, and then in closing submissions to the jury, uh, the, one of the defense lawyers was like, with his khaki shorts. <laughs> what she said, do you remember that, Amy? With his no, khaki no. shorts and without socks, covering <laughs> his long, dirty toenails, talking about the deceased. Great. What? And, Fantastic. And so, like, very dehumanizing language, very, language with, like, you know, very uh, racial overtones. So, like, fucked up, but they they went down. They basically, I did, now that you say that, I did see at the beginning Holy that he, he came out and literally was like, look, I'm not saying they shouldn't be here. And if, like, Al Sharpton happens to be their pastor, that's fine. But they don't have a new pastor every day. You can't have 20 pastors. Like, who's your pastor? We don't need all these famous black pastors coming down here. And I was just like, well, I guess I'm not following this case. So Are you, cool. was it in Georgia? It remind me yeah. where it happened. Yeah, it wasn't. It was in, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was southeast. It was way far away from where I I'm almost in Tennessee. I'm barely in Georgia. But uh, but yes, it was in Georgia. Yeah. Okay. Wild, wild. Wild man. There's too many to follow though. Honestly, like I laugh when I said I haven't kept up with it. It's there's always a case to keep up with. So it's like you and you can't do that if you want to have some semblance of sanity. So uh it's not my job to keep myself informed on all the fuckery that happens in this country. (laughs) But I didn't hear as much about that one as I did the Rittenhouse case. That's why I was curious. Yeah, yeah. Um they they really blew up Rittenhouse case. I don't know what it was because I think they started making it a race thing and then it turned out that the guys were white or something and then it just broke down into see I hear like uh Tucker Carson and all that, you know what I mean, screaming at the self-defense is on trial. And then Tucker, what a source. 
no 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 but like people like that i mean i'm, I'm saying people like that right Dude, i mean millions of people are watching this shit um right? they said it was a race thing because it was started that i happened at a protest over a black man that was shot jacob blake yeah mm. he was still paralyzed but um they, they i don't believe they thought that the crime i mean he shot white people so that wasn't that wasn't racially motivated but and, it but, but seems, it seems is like, about a division uh, between the left and the right. I was gonna say it seems oh, like a it, it seems like a political debate more than this guy being on trial. You mm. know what I mean? It's the left fight the right and right fighting the left. That's what well, it was. The, the second the gun rights the gun rights fight is older than you know time in this country, so that will never change. And that's basically what it turned into. But he also was like endorsed by. Trump and like the My Pillow guy, Lynn Wood was one of his attorneys until they decided he was a fucking lunatic and fired him. I mean, the guy like runs Parlor. I don't know how much of this you guys follow, so I might be speaking Swahili for all I know, but um, it, it was definitely politically charged and it was intended to be from the very beginning. I mean, otherwise, it was a 17 year old who shot a couple of people. There's nothing political about that. Yeah. So what's interesting is in Canada, we recently had a case where a dude in uh, around Hamilton um, was beautiful charged with place. murder. Sorry? A beautiful place. <laughs> Hamilton is a beautiful place. <laughs> uh, it, I think it was like a like a bit like out of like out of the town, um, uh, not too far from town though, where the guy was charged. Well, someone who was like trying to break into his truck, he came out of his house with a shotgun, shot him, and. Um, uh, I, I can't remember if he was acquitted of self-defense or not, but ultimately the Supreme Court, which released this decision a few weeks ago, uh, touched on um, this question of whether or not you can legitimately like claim self-defense if you're the one that's like bringing the gun, right? Right. That was, have, that's the we whole have a different attitude in Canada. Yeah. We have a different attitude in Canada because in Canada we don't have that the the same constitutional and political associations with guns that americans do so well i mean that that conversation did surround that case anyway even down here though because, i mean like, like smart ass remark i made earlier same idea like you literally left your house and traveled to this place with a gun strapped to you looking for some semblance of trouble when you know you're walking into a violent situation you can't say i was caught off guard it was self-defense you inserted yourself into it yeah, well, fuck all that. Anyways, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, we've been to Rittenhouse so, so much, right? It's back and forth. But uh, I was going to say, so in Canada, you mentioned that Hamilton case. So in Canada, if somebody, if you see somebody literally breaking into your shit, like taking your shit out of your window and you have a hunting rifle, you're not allowed to shoot them. Not allowed to, you're not allowed to stop them in any way. You're not allowed to shoot them, but <laughs> well, you know what I mean. What if what if you tell him to stop and he starts starts charging at you? But you already brought your rifle just in case. No, you you are allowed to use reasonable force to defend your property and to defend yourself and to defend other people. What that means in any given situation depends on a legal test that we have in the criminal code, and it also depends on. The circumstances and it depends on if you're in front of a jury what the jury thinks and if you're in front of a judge what the judge thinks so do you know what happened in hamilton what do you mean did he get the self-defense or uh so what the supreme court of canada said and the decision came out uh in october so this was just uh last month uh the 
what happened was he, he, he was found, the dude was found not guilty and uh, the court of appeal, um, I think ordered uh, a new trial and he appealed to uh, the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court uh, dismissed the appeal. So he's gonna go on trial for murder again, which is strange because in America- I was gonna uh, ask about double jeopardy double jeopardy we, we we don't have so in Canada you can be acquitted by a jury and if there's an error of law like in the instructions to the jury or something the crown can appeal and you can go to trial again what's the okay what does the oh, crown mean you keep saying imagine this guy just fuck I got off <laughs> what, is, what is the crown I you've said that twice now and I don't know what that means oh the, the crown is the state Oh, okay. The DA, basically, right? I gotcha. yeah, in yeah. American terms, the, pro the prosecution. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. So it's either you know in America, it's it's the people, right? Uh, it's the either the United States of America if it's a federal case, or it's right. the state of Georgia, or Commonwealth of Massachusetts, or whatever it is. Right. Uh, in Canada, it's the Crown. So is um, is self? I mean, self defense as a theory is a thing everywhere. But is the would you say you're as likely to be successful with a self defense? um defense in Canada as I mean that's that's like probably the most common of any case down here defense is self-defense for everything for, for what though I mean any any kind of violent crime shooting physical injury personal injury like as long as it's not like a car wreck or like rape it, you're usually going to hear self-defense come out we we like we run a lot of, like we run a lot of self-defenses in in uh in crimes of violence in Canada. You do? Yeah. Are they successful? Do you, is that like a successful approach? I guess it depends on the lawyer. <laughs> I mean, I, I yes. feel like it's as frequently used here as it is because it is successful. Uh, yeah, I mean, but, but bear in mind, I think America is, um, tolerates uh, or encourages more sort of individual freedom and you know, protecting myself and my home and stand your ground and all that shit, M more so in, in Canada. Canada's a bit more of a, uh, you know, we're supposed to live in a peaceful society, et cetera. Sure. So I think self-defense probably just, and I don't have any stats or anything. I think culturally speaking, it's probably more acceptable in uh, America mm -hmm. and probably more successful. But at the same time, like, you know, people, it's an intuitive thing, right? It's like, it's a human, it's a natural human thing to say, you as a human being are allowed to enjoy bodily integrity mm -hmm. and you can defend yourself if there is a threat uh, to your bodily integrity. So we run self-defense and, and, you know, often successfully in, in Canada, if there, is a, if there is a basis for it, yeah, absolutely. Threat is such a subjective word right there. <laughs> <laughs> what is such a subjective word threat if there's a threat to you yeah totally and what is and what is a threat in canada right that's what i'm saying Anybody walking around with an ar-15 that's a fucking threat yeah <laughs> <laughs> but written written house is like being handed water bottles by cops when he's walking around with an ar-15 <laughs> dude he literally walked to them with his hands up surrendering and they drove past him Holy yeah, yeah, that's I watched that video today too. It's wild. It's really crazy to watch. Is there an an insanity plea in Canada? Non-criminally responsible by reason of mental disorder. Yep, that's what it is. is. That a temporary one. 
<laughs> temporary no, one. It, it, it is a it is a thing that like if you I remember back home I've heard of things like this, right? If you came home and cut your wife cheating and laid them both out by accident. By accident. You, well, because you started beating them and you killed them by accident. You didn't mean to kill them, you just wanted to lay a few punches, you know what that's, I mean? And just that's so manslaughter. <laughs> so that's that's very interesting. Uh that's like a very like uh it's a it's a thing back home. It's a smart it's a smart question and it's an interesting legal issue. It's uh, what we call provocation. So uh, provocation can reduce a uh, um, a finding of guilty of murder to manslaughter. And back in the day, it used to be more successful uh, in cases where you'd catch your spouse cheating and you killed one of them. Now society tolerates it a, li a little bit less. Like if you catch your partner boning someone else and get off one of them uh i guess like i think <laughs> sorry i'm way so cat. oh dude bro i i'm not gonna lie to you i i was a marketing professional in my last life right i'm not now i kept one client i run his social media he happens to be a lawyer i have had in the six years i've known him i'm a fucked up individual i will talk about anything with anybody I have had some of the most fucked up conversations of my life with him about his work. It is amazing conversation. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm yeah. serious about that, Jason. Please uh, <laughs> <laughs> just splice that out. Uh, um, but on a serious part, yeah. note, what I was about to ask was, how does the structure, like you just talked about murder to manslaughter, right? Like as far as the charges. And so that's a big common one here that people talk about that like, well, was it premeditated? And then, you know, was it accidental? And was it manslaughter? Was it homicide? Was it murder? You know, they're all different charges. And up there, like, do you have the different degrees of felony and like mis down to misdemeanor or things like that? And like, do you have like intention as a big deciding factor on murder charges? Yeah, so it, the distinction between felonies and misdemeanors in America, I'd say, is equivalent to what we call the distinction between indictable offenses and uh, summary conviction offenses in Canada. So indictable offenses are more serious. Uh, they typically guarantee you higher procedural protections. You're typically entitled to a trial by judge and jury if it's an indictable offense. Uh, whereas summary conviction matters, it's only bench. You only get bench trials in the lower court, uh, and uh, we have first-degree murder, second-degree murder, and manslaughter. Um, but in America, you guys have, and it's only for murder where we have first-degree and second-degree. In America, different states and, like, different jurisdictions have, like, first-degree felony this, second-degree, fourth-degree mm -hmm. felony this. We don't have any of that. We just have first-degree murder, uh, which is either uh, premeditated, the murder of a police officer, or the murder that is committed during the course of a for forcible confinement, uh, sexual assault, uh, or um, yeah, there's one other route of liability that's off the top of my head right now. And then second degree murder is intent to kill or intent to cause grievous bodily harm and being reckless as to whether or not death ensues. I know it's kind of complicated. And then manslaughter is intent to commit an unlawful act, causation and death, or essentially criminal negligence causing death. So basically, you were playing in some fucked up shit, but trying to kill the person wasn't exactly where your plan was. Uh, exactly. So, for example, let's say you wanted to um, just hit some dude with your car and you had no intention of causing them grievous bodily harm, uh, but they ended up dying. That's manslaughter. You intended to sucker punch someone and they fall and hit their head and they die. That's manslaughter. But if you intended to kill them, 
uh, by like stabbing him, let's say in the heart in the course of, you know, like a heated moment where the guy was, or whatever, that's, that's generally murder, unless you can establish or have a reasonable doubt as to whether or not you intended to uh, kill them. And then self-defense can be a total excuse where you get uh, acquitted. Uh, Or it can, you know, provocation can reduce it to manslaughter. And often manslaughter is like a compromised verdict in most cases. Yeah. And when you're saying provocation, you mean like literal definitional provocation? It's it's a legal test for provocation. So if someone says, you know, I'm going to fucking kill you and then you stab them in the heart, that could be provocation that takes it from murder to manslaughter. Right, yeah. Hmm. And, but then there was like the but old you... law, which Kirill was talking about, this like idea that if you catch your spouse cheating and you kill him, it takes down. He's actually, I guess maybe that's the thing in, in East Ukraine and Russia or in other jurisdictions, I don't know, but it's certainly something here that existed in the common law for a long time. I don't, I don't know, the, I, I don't know the word in English. I know the word in Russian, right? And it, it, it doesn't only, it's just a common thing that I came up with right, right away when, when it was a spouse. But there's a thing where you claim temporary insanity, and there's a lot of, a lot of defenses run like that. I know a that's, couple of people. That's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> that is the word. You got it. No, there, there's one word in Russian. I don't know. If maybe there's one in English or not. But there's temporary insanity. You could be really upset because not just because a spouse cheating. You got really upset because I don't know. You know what I mean? You got your mom smoking, and you're really against smoking. I don't know. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, no. You, you, went, you no. went out and punched, punched somebody in the head, and he died. You know what I mean? And that, that's not a good know. defense. <laughs> I know, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm being ridiculous right no, but i'm just saying yeah. to, to claim temporary insanity back home you need to prove that there was some sort of a shocking moment and i think that there's a lot of defenses that run like that the, te- the test for an, a non-criminally responsible by reason of mental disorder in canada is pretty high it's you have to like uh not be able to appreciate essentially the nature and quality of the act so like you got to be out of your tree. Right? yeah you got to be out of your tree hey like that guy makes, that, that guy in the that? bus Sorry, that guy on the bus in what was it, Manitoba? Ooh, the the Asia guy was cutting. He cut that guy's head off. Did he only do like a few years or something? Because they actually from, proved like yeah, not criminally responsible by reason of mental disorder. Yes, and so he's not guilty of a criminal defense if that happens, right? What do you mean? He's not guilty. Oh, he's not guilty. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not guilty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he doesn't have the exactly yeah intent to commit a criminal offense. How come? How come they let him out? He's not guilty. He wasn't guilty. If he doesn't understand that cutting somebody's head off is fucking on a on a like what, a like what, a greyhound bus. What's going to stop you, him you from cutting another head off? Court. You don't just walk out of court. You yeah. Get, how does that work? You get sent to uh, an institution where yeah. or the you know in Ontario it's the Ontario Review Board. And, and and what's crazy is people think like, oh, you just get off if 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 it's non-criminally responsible by reason of mental disorder. No, what happens is you then become subject to a different regime that will try to manage your risk and see, you know, is this someone that we can release in the community? And what's crazy is in Canada, we have a lot of people who get found non-criminally responsible by reason of mental disorder of like minor offenses that mm-hmm. would led them to be in jail for a short period of time but then they get subject to to the you know psychiatric facility and they say we're not ever fucking letting you out right so so they could have served 30 days and instead of that they're going through the mental institute combine so who who there uh in this process makes that determination like if 
is like a psychiatrist called in or like who says that yeah you, you need psychiatric evidence do you know and this may getting in beginning in the weeds a little bit but if somebody has like a prior diagnosis of anything that would lend itself to that being a workable you know prosecutory or defense mechanism do you still have to have the specialist come in or can 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 it be like hey look they have a history of whatever you, you, you need expert evidence in any case where you're gonna go ncr absolutely you need expert evidence for sure you can't just be like oh we know this guy is schizophrenic so uh you know he's ncr for once and for all no 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 um and yeah i have you know i have one case that's gonna be an ncr defense and i'm just like loathe i'm just like dreading it so much it's, it's just it's a stressful fucking job man how i mean can you can you give us a layman's version of what the most reasonable strategy like approach to that like if somebody's going no he was insane like how do you argue that he wasn't if a psychiatrist is willing to sign off on that like does that not kill a case effectively oh no but then it's the battle of the experts right like if the crown's like, nah, your expert who says he's not criminally responsible, the crown can get an expert and the crown will cross-examine your expert and try to show that their methodology is flawed, their conclusion is flawed, that it's undermined by X, Y, Z. It's like a battle, right? Like the adversarial system. And sometimes the crown will agree, the prosecution will agree with the defense that this person is non-criminally responsible by reason of mental terror. And sometimes the defense will be like, no, 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 no. We don't want an NCR verdict. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the prosecution is like, well, we want one. So can can they? Uh, is that a situation where, in theory, the charges could change mid-trial? Like, okay, we'll bring it down to this if you'll plead in a trial. In the trial, you can do that in that process. Yeah, and sometimes what happens is you're running a trial. Crown charges this person with like whatever a serious offense. And in the middle of the trial, you do a lot of damage to the Crown's case by showing the witnesses are unreliable or whatever. And then they'll offer you a plea mid-trial to a lesser offense and, or whatever. Yeah, like one of my my former boss, he was running a trial where this guy, um, his client was like gotten to a bar fight, uh, basically blinded a guy in one eye, uh, like broke a glass over his face. He was a pretty violent cat. Uh, and... Wow. Uh, yeah, and um, but the the case was going really bad for the prosecution. Like my my former boss was just damaging the credibility of all the witnesses, damaging on on the point of what's interesting. It was on the point of identification. So he was basically showing like, hey, prosecution, you guys can't prove that my guy's the one who did this, and here's all the reasons why. There was no blood on his hands. There was no this. There was no that, and blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And then. And so like the guy would have went to jail if he was convicted, like for a long time. Mm -hmm. And because it was so weak to salvage it, the prosecution offered a plea uh, for a $50 fine. And he took it from the same judge. <laughs> and from the same judge that he's running the defense of ID on. So the judge is like, yep. Okay. Holy shit. So I wait, I've got two questions and I have a feeling you guys probably already went over this. So stop me if you have, and I'll go back and listen later. But a, like you were saying before, if that's my job, I do my job. Um, not everybody wants to be in criminal defense. So A, if you didn't already go into that, why, why did you choose that? And B, um, unrelated, but I'm just going to say them both. Is it like that I just watch too much TV that it feels like most of the deal-making happens beforehand? Like 
to to be mid-trial like that is not a common occurrence as much as it is beforehand, correct? So, so I'll answer your second question first. Uh, yes, you're correct in the sense that most plea bargaining happens before, but I'll add the caveat that there is much more plea bargaining, I think, in America than there is in Canada because of your uh, sentencing guidelines are so extreme that the mm -hmm. pressure to plead uh, guilty to get a deal is much, much higher than it is in Canada. We don't have such extreme sentences in Canada. Um, so, that, so yes, you're correct, but there's a bit of a distortion there because you're American. Uh, like, no offense, I say that. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, I just meant distortion in the perception of plea bargaining, not like yeah. a distortion of, of being American. Uh, like, I, I, I love Americans in many ways, and I love Americans in, 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 in many. Like, I really like Americans, to be honest. Um, and uh, your first question, why did I go into criminal defense? I mean, these guys kind of, we kind of talked about it. Um, you know, at the time, uh, I really wanted to be in court. As you guys can tell, I talk a lot. I wanted to, <laughs> I want, I wanted to be in court. And uh, in Canada, one of the very few uh, practice areas that allows you to actually be in court and advocate is criminal law. So, and then it, it just ended up fitting with my political beliefs pretty well. Mm. Um, but like, it's a tough gig. Like, I don't know if I can do it forever. I've been doing it for uh over seven years now it was called to the burn 2013 but doing it since 2014 and like i am tired, I am <laughs> tired. Uh, what, would you, what would you go into if you quit this i couldn't do another kind of law you couldn't no no so what do you think you'd get into then dealership what car dealership? Nobody used dealership. Shirts, auto. Well, plot twist. Okay. Selling old Pontiacs and shit. You know I mean? Or Tim Hortons. I don't know. What, what do you see yourself doing? Real estate. Freddie Mercury. Look at him. <laughs> Im 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 imitation. Uh... <laughs> Where was this guy when they were casting the movie? <laughs> Holy I only say shit. that because, like, I was on vacation recently, <laughs> and, and like, two at an all-inclusive, and two random ladies were like, "Freddie Mercury." <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Did you did you go along with that? I totally would have. They were like, "Let me take a picture." I'm like, "Yeah." Ridiculous. <laughs> okay, so did you already talk about this? Did I'm curious, like, what the wildest case is that you have worked? I mean, maybe you can't talk specifics, but like, what's the craziest thing that you left after a case and you went, "I can't believe that happened." holy fuck like i have it's like every case i have is insane <laughs> um wild okay get, we have to narrow it down because i have a lot of fun <laughs> no we don't just go <laughs> um, wildest from what perspective i mean i like i all that comes to mind is like i can't believe that i can't believe they convicted i can't believe he got off i can't believe i just can't believe it this is crazy yeah yeah okay um i'll i'll tell you a story that happened uh recently um uh and i won't like i don't won't get into names or, or specifics or anything but yeah yeah we had um so i was representing Gallo. i stopped representing him because i was the junior on it and another lawyer was the senior on it and uh this just comes to mind because it's a relatively recent thing that happened um it was a murder, first degree murder, and there were four, 
five people who were initially charged with first degree murder and it was a swarming beating and uh the guy was stabbed as well by murder once. of one person like this wasn't a big gang on gang nope it was like uh, so it was five people who were charged uh with attacking one person Jeez. and Great. there was there was but there was bad blood between them uh and a whole backstory uh but surveillance footage showed that only four people participated in the attack five people on scene only four participated in the attack five people charged with first degree murder and so who is the lucky one and the surveillance footage doesn't help us it doesn't help you establish uh who uh wasn't part of it dna and forensics came back establishing that three guys who were related uh, definitely participated in the assault okay because deceased blood is on them like sure. or, or whatever yeah so you have two others one who is the potential the stabber and then one who did not participate in the assault so three three that had blood on him are confirmed that not to be stabbers uh basically yeah yeah okay. so you have yeah. three people who participate in a beating but don't stab Mm-hmm. you have one person who definitely stabbed one person who didn't participate and uh our client was alleged to be the stabber and how did he allege uh, to be uh to be the stabber well when the five were in custody everyone lawyered up obviously and uh, one guy who was not one of the other three that had definitely had dna uh, flipped he gave a statement to the police and pointed the finger no. at, our, at our guy who was his best friend was uh, yeah was friend <laughs> and said he's the stabber okay which meant he was the stabber because he flipped he flipped and he pointed the finger at our guy yeah and said our guy is the stabber and he got an immunity okay okay as part of a plea arrangement he got him immunity for the charge of first degree murder so very strong incentive to point the finger at someone else right you're facing a life sentence no chance of parole for 25 years we go through the motions we have a preliminary hearing at the end of the preliminary hearing uh, everyone obviously the we'll call it like the snitch or the guy who whatever who yeah. the informant he obviously was not accused anymore he testified a bunch of people testified and uh the four who were facing the charge of first degree murder uh all got committed to stand trial the three who had the blood and forensics on them they ended up uh, resolving for manslaughter 8 years what does oh. that mean resolving they were completely guilty Oh, they pled guilty. So they pled guilty to manslaughter and got eight years. So they didn't go down on murder. Yeah. Because you know they couldn't establish, and the the prosecution's theory was that our client was the stabber, therefore he is the murderer, and the three others didn't know that he was going to stab, and so they participated in a beating, and the guy died. So manslaughter is kind of a fair result, right? Okay. Holy shit! Um, How long does something like that go on for? So that case went on for over three years. Oh my god! Yeah, so wait, but- all of the what you just laid out up until this point, 
is that was that all determined to be factual or is this was this the story going through no this, this is this is what happened i'm telling okay. you this okay i got you and then our client uh was still charged with first degree murder and now he was in it alone because the three others played manslaughter. <laughs> of course okay and uh there was a, 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 a in the disclosure wait Amy, what you guys call discovery, mm -hmm. uh, Brady material, there was buried in there a uh, note that there was a confidential informant tip, a confidential informant tip that said uh, that it was the, the informant, the snitch, mm -hmm. who actually fucked up the deceased. Oh. And so... Uh, well, that's client, why he flipped so fast, of course. So our client's defense from the beginning was, I'm not the stabber. Snitch is the stabber. Okay. And so he brought, you know, I got off the case for a business reason that had nothing to do with whatever. I just moved offices and, uh, but I was obviously still in good, in contact with the client and then, and, and the lawyer and stuff and like helped out with the case a little bit. And when it went to the Superior Court of Justice, the case uh, continued and uh, the lawyers for our client were uh, pursuing motions to try to disclose the identity of the confidential informant who made that tip. Oh. Because they so said- wait, the, co the confidential informant was not the guy that flipped. This is a completely separate- se Separate. Anonymous person. An anonymous person who had firsthand, who, who had knowledge the statement that he made that this guy fucked him up came from one of the people on on the field where it happened mm. one huh. of the three. either one of the three or the snitch himself oh shit oh. okay how does this so, end up this is like a soap opera i know this is what i asked okay <laughs> And like I have like we could talk forever, but after this, I'm, I think I'm going to go and mm -hmm. take in my own my own activities. Yeah, I was just days. about to say. I was just about to say we're going to let you get out of here after this. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad these aren't billable hours. <laughs> <laughs> so he um, uh, he brings motions to disclose the identity of this informant, and in Canada, there's really no precedent for this. There's almost, there's no case in a murder case at all, and only a couple of cases in drug cases where the, the court ordered to reveal the identity of the confidential informant, and then the crown, the prosecution just got rid of the charges. Mm -hmm. In the first degree murder case, it's really, it's a big deal to just pull a charge, and the crown fought tooth and nail to resist the motion to disclose the identity of this witness who could potentially establish, you know, our client's innocence. Uh-huh. Okay. And the lawyer, the senior lawyer on it, fantastic lawyer, got an unprecedented result and got a ruling from the judge that the prosecution had to disclose the identity. And it was murky legal territory in the sense of once that ruling came out, mm -hmm. because of the law on protecting informant privilege, the prosecution kind of had to pull the charge. Yeah, so, or give up the name. But, but they can't give up the name because of the risk to the confidential informant's safety. Yeah. They would be liable, potentially, if anything ever happened, right? Yep. And the law is basically like, it's almost sacrosanct. And so basically getting that ruling basically won the case. And 
And so the ruling came out and the prosecution said, uh, we need a couple of days. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was supposed to come back in court after a couple of days. And the night before uh, going to court, uh, two gunmen showed up at our client's house and murdered him. Stop what? it! Way to bury the lead! Come oh on! My God! Holy shit! He was about to walk on a first degree murder. Holy shit! So, so that informant thought that they were about to be named this, and this freaked out. Is the no, theory. no, no, no. Who? Absolutely no idea. No idea who it is, why, and who knows. Wow! That sounds like some gang shit thing. Wow. I was not expecting that. <laughs> I was not expecting that at all. I was expecting the night before they called to drop the case or whatever. I was not expecting that. That's crazy. That's wild. And that's that's a cold case, right? So what what interests me more than this is that you had to think through multiple cases to come to the conclusion that that was the craziest one. I don't even know if that's the craziest one. It's just an example of many. Yeah. All right, right, Sharif, man. I appreciate this so much. This has been awesome. We definitely have to do it again. Um, Real quick before we let you get out of here, uh, let people know where they can find you. You don't want to be found? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Leave me alone. You don't want the kind of scum that watches this show? (laughs) If people want to find me, they can find me. (laughs) All right. I appreciate it so much, my man. Amy, make sure you go back and listen. You'll uh, you'll, you'll find it interesting. Yeah, this was crazy. Yeah, it was really good. No, Thanks because again. then I will have to find you so that I can be like, wait, I have another question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for Sharif Fada, Amy Barton, Krokosatsky, I'm Jay Kelly. This is The Building Downtown. We out. Peace. The Building Downtown. Building Downtown. Building Downtown. Building Downtown. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.